All right, we are now on the record. Good morning, everyone. I'm Susan Drummond, uh, City of Kirkland Hearing Examiner Pro Tem. Um, it is June 15, 2023, Thursday morning, just after nine. Uh, we are here on day two for the Fin Hill Short Plat or Fin Hill Eight Short Plat uh, appeal. Um, Let's see, Mr. Grimman, I received your exhibits, 30, 32 exhibits, I believe, uh, a Google image, the addresses that I had requested, thank you for that, and the updated uh, sewer water certificate. Um, I haven't looked through all of those. They appear on their face to be relevant to the proceeding. I, I could just go ahead and admit them at the outset, although I don't know if the parties, other parties have had a chance to review those. Um, so, um, and I, I haven't looked at them yet. So if they aren't what they appear to be, uh, then, you know, I'd uh, re revisit that. But otherwise, um, do the parties have any comments? I'll just go ahead and admitting those. I haven't compared the dates. Um, were any of those documents, uh, either documents that were uh, not provided in the prior briefing or not provided in Mr. Gribben's discovery responses? Uh, yes, there's there's documents in there that were not, um, I think, part of the record, but I believe most of them are. Uh, were any of those relating to the easement? Um, I don't believe so, but if you want to take the time to look through them, I'm happy to. Um, Why not? So um, that is a pertinent question. A lot of them look like they're duplicates. Like I think a number of these documents are already in the record. Um, why don't I do this? We'll just tentatively admit them. So there's a ruling on that. But uh, if it turns out that these should have been uh, submitted in response to discovery, or there are other issues which might preclude their admission, um, I'll keep, you know, a lot those objections can be raised at in any time. And um, I think we do need to allow enough time, uh, Mr. Chelligen, so you uh, are able to, uh, you know, look through them to make sure to verify whether or not there's an objection on those. And Ms. Kroll, I haven't heard from you. Do you have any other additional comments on that? No, we would have no objection. As I said yesterday, this is an open record hearing. If Mr. Telligen wanted to wait for documents to be submitted, he could have asked for additional time and allowed those documents to come in. I don't think exclusion is the appropriate remedy. Um, I think the record is open until the end of the hearing for anything. And um, at any time, if somebody feels surprised by a document, they can request a continuance at that time. And so I just am in favor of, of an open record, a full record, a complete record, and no surprises and allowing people a chance to respond to any documents they get. Well, I guess okay. my only thought is I couldn't ask really for a continuance. There are time deadlines and the applicant has to consent uh, to going beyond certain deadlines. Um, so I guess that's my thought yeah, on that. There, there are some strictures on that and there is this, out, this, this outstanding discovery question. So I think what I'm gonna do is what I just said, which is for efficiency, we'll go ahead and admit these at the outset. But um, if there are objections, I certainly will allow those to be raised um, because there are there are some outstanding questions on kind of the good faith with discovery and so forth. So I think that's how we'll handle those. Um, any other procedural issues that we should address before we get started? From the city? Is yes, this a very, very quick update. Um, we are very hopeful that we're going to complete today, 
but we I wanted to you. remind parties that um, I am not available tomorrow. Nick Salufo is out of town tomorrow, not available, and the city is closed on Monday for Juneteenth. So if we do not conclude today, we cannot go Friday or Monday. Okay. Well, let's sort that at, towards the end of the hearing in terms of what, uh, hopefully we get through everything. So yeah. we just wanted to give a heads up, maybe encourage speed. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it, it, speed, efficiency, all that's great, but uh, also make sure you get to the issues that are the material that you need me to have. So, um, all right. So I think at this point we'll turn then, Mr. Telligent, I think you had two witnesses called this morning. Um, who did you wish to call first? Uh, Ms. Justina. Okay. Let's elevate Ms. Justina as panelist, if we could. Good morning, Ms. Justina. You can unmute yourself, and I didn't know if you wanted to have your video on or not. Um, either is, okay, there you go. There I am. Uh, if you could state your name for the record. Irene Justina. And you swear affirm to tell the truth under penalty of perjury under the laws of the state of Washington? By God, I do. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Irene. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Brian. I'm well. Very good. Um, so the examiner just asked you, uh, I'm sorry, did you ask for Mr. Uh, uh, Justina's address as well, or just her name? Um, I did not. Um, she certainly can provide, yeah. I mean, it's in the record, yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> right, just for the record, could you uh, tell us your address, Irene? 8300 Northeast 117th Street in Kirkland. Mm -hmm. And is that a property uh, that you live at? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, when did you purchase that property? I purchased that property in 1989. Mm -hmm. And at the time you purchased the property, uh, was there a home on, the, on that site? There was not. What was on the site? A uh, filbert orchard. Filbert orchard. Uh, so did you build your home there? We did. We contracted with a, an architect and we built our home. Uh-huh. And uh, you said we, uh, was that you and your, your former my, husband? My late husband, Eric Goldbeck. Mm -hmm. And at that time, uh, your last name was Goldbeck. When did it change back to Justina? Yes, you're correct. At that time, my last name was Goldbeck. And I changed my name back to Justina, which is my maiden name in 2017. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start... A screen share. We have a series of slides, uh, Madam Examiner. These are, I believe, all images uh, that were previously submitted uh, with Ms. Justina's declaration, which is part of the record. Uh, but I, yesterday, I attempted to also provide all the parties uh, and you with uh, these particular slides. Uh, so you should have this particular slide set as well. I don't well. think I have it yet. I am familiar with this this slide, though. Um, I don't think I saw a separate email with those. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I responded to Mr. Gribben's email. Uh, maybe you were left off it, but if not, I'll, I'll get these to you. Okay. All right. Uh, so, Ms. Justina, uh, just to get a sort of general lay of the land, uh, we've been talking about the Fin Hill 8 short plat, which I, I know you're familiar with. Um, this image right here is from the city's uh, decision approving the, the, the short plat. 
uh, just sort of provides an, a general aerial view of the lots. Uh, the subject property is shaded in red. Can you identify your property on this image? My property is in green. Mm -hmm. Very good. I'm going to go to slide two. Well, actually, what's the blue property on this slide? Do you know? The blue property is what is now um, the HOA overlook. Mm -hmm. of Hill. Okay. Uh, now, slide two. Uh, this case is a lot has a lot to do about the 1984 easement. Uh, and this is a copy of the 1984 Declaration of Easement and Restrictive Covenant that was attached to your former or your prior declaration at Exhibit uh, B. Uh, are you familiar with this document? Yes. Uh huh. And it says here that the the people who signed it are David C. and Verlene P. Hansen. Do you know who they are? I don't know them personally, but I know who they are. Yes. Uh huh. And what's your understanding of who they are? They owned the property that my home is now on and the property that Chris Hatch formerly owned the, the development property. And at the time they lived in David Winkler's home, which is um, the access is off of 84th. And it also is um, adjacent to the project, the development project. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, just jumping back here, I'm going to go back to slide one. You mentioned 84th. That's the road that sort of goes north-south on the east side yes. of the block that you're on, correct? Yes, that is north-south, correct. Mm -hmm. And David Winkler's property, am I correct in understanding? It would have been this property right here to the immediate east of the correct. project set? Correct. Okay. Uh, going to slide two, uh, we have here, I'm going to zoom in a bit, a description of the easement. And it says there shall be an easement for ingress, egress, and utilities on, over, under, and across the following described portion of parcel A, the west 15 feet of the south 120 feet of lot 2, Juanita Crest. Um, do you have an understanding as to the location of the easement uh, purportedly yes. provided, uh, created by this document? Yes, I do. And, and what is that? It is the west... 15 feet north to south or south to north coming off of 117th um, of the lot that I purchased that my husband and I purchased together. Mm -hmm. Were you aware of this document when you purchased your property? Yes, I was. Okay. I'm gonna go to slide three now. The, this is a Google Earth aerial photograph of your property. Uh, the imagery date is May 31st, 2002. Uh, mm -hmm. So this is um, about 21 years in the past now. Your <laughs> home is marked here as 8300 Northeast 117th Street with the red dot, correct? That is correct. Mm -hmm. And where would, the, where would the easement be in this image? The easement would be on the left-hand side. And you can see that there is a driveway from the street, Northeast 117th Street, going north to what is Chris Hatch's house? It's, you know, you can kind of see the um, roof in amongst the treetops there. Mm -hmm. But you can see my driveway is paved. It's cement, actually. And then uh, prior to the property line, there is, um, it becomes gravel. And then it was a gravel. It's an incline. It goes up to his property. His property is a little bit 
higher in elevation than mine. I see. So then zoom in a little further. So first you mentioned uh, the easement coinciding with your driveway. Am I correct? That's it's this area right here, basically? Yes, yes okay. correct. And you mentioned Chris Hatch's house. That's here, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. And then you talked about a transition point uh, at the end of your driveway where it turns into gravel. Am I correct in thinking that's basically this area right here? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and tell me about, at this time in 2002, this would have been about 10 years or eight years after you built your home, correct? We moved in in 93, uh -huh. September of 93, so yes. Yeah, about nine years. Uh, did Chris Hatch, uh, well, I guess I should ask, when did Mr. Hatch purchase his property to the north of you? Do you know? I believe he purchased his property 93, 94. Mm -hmm. Do you know when he built his home? Um, closer to 94. Okay. Uh, so say from 94, 95, that time period, up until you know this image was taken in 2002, did Mr. Hatch... Uh, use the easement to cross your driveway to gain access to his property? Oh, yes, he did. He, mm -hmm. he, he did. <laughs> and tell me, what was that like? Um, it, it was a little bit of a nightmare because Chris, at that point in time, didn't, wasn't married, didn't have children, and consequently didn't have much regard for children. And we had a small child, and his, he liked to drive you know, like coming home and like to drive fast. So he would come around the corner and just tear up, you know, not, not literally tear up, but he would drive very quickly across our driveway up because he had a bit of an incline um, to get up to his property. So evidently, I mean, I don't know why, but he felt that he had to drive quickly and he had no regard for the fact that we were sharing the driveway, that we were living there. We had a child um, I would be outside sometimes weeding or tending to the, to the plants or, you know, whatever people do outside gardening and cleaning their property. Um, and, and he just had very little regard for us and mm -hmm. our use of our property. Mm -hmm. uh, did you ever have any interactions with him to try and convey this to him or 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 curtail his uh, use of the driveway in that manner? Yes, uh, both my husband and I had conversations with him. Um, he was coarse and dismissive to me. He spoke a little bit more with my husband. Um, consequently, we would put a traffic cone not at the street, but we would put a traffic cone enough in so that he could get on to the easement onto the driveway without being in the street. If we were, if we were there using the motor court, especially, um, and it's, it was always, we were outside. We never left the traffic cone there while we went inside or someplace else. And um, then as soon as we saw him, we'd come over, escort our child into safety remove the traffic cone, allow him to pass, but this aggravated him and he he was, didn't like that. Mm -hmm. 
did he ever express to you that he would like some other way potentially to access his property? Yes, he did. He's, mm -hmm. he was, well, you know, this is my, this is my property. He would say, this is my easement. And, and I say, no, this is our property. You have an easement to cross. And he goes, well, I, I want my own, but he, he kind of grumbled. I would object to the, to the hearsay statements and move to strike. I think it's all part of the context of what's going on here. And we all know that there's a trend, there's a purported agreement, transaction, uh, and an instrument. And in interpreting that instrument, the context is very important. I, I'll allow the testimony. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, in your prior declaration, you talked about- uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The city wanted to join in that hearsay objection. Clearly, it, it's relevant, but that's not the basis for hearsay. And so, um, but we do know hearsay comes in and the hearing examiner will give it the weight um, that she wants to give it to. But I do also object to this hearsay, especially since the witness is, the other witness is not present. Can't defend uh, themselves, can't correct any statements. Objection noted. I, like I said, I will allow the testimony and give it the appropriate weight um, in terms of addressing it. Very good. Uh, so in your former uh, declaration, Irene, uh, you had talked about a deal uh, that you and your husband at the time had struck with Mr. Hatch. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to move forward here to slide four. Uh, I know this boundary line adjustment, an excerpt of which uh, I am showing now, was a part of that deal. Um, this was a boundary line adjustment that you had you had included as exhibit F to your declaration. Can you give me a summary of your understanding of this document and what it accomplished? This document would accomplish um, removing Chris Hatch's property from the easement or relinquish, he would relinquish the easement in exchange for 15 feet north to south of the property to the west, which is about 4,500 square feet. Um, this would give Chris his own private driveway, which was very important to him, and would remove him from our property and would dissolve the easement. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you talked about the property to the west. In this image, your property that you currently live on is located here, correct? Correct. And uh, this uh, boundary line adjustment affects this property over here. Did you own that property at the time? We did own that property at the time. Uh-huh. And tell me about that. The property, when we, when we purchased our property and built our house, this other property was owned by an older couple by the name of Michaels. Mm-hmm. And you have, there's another picture somewhere where you Google Earth picture, you can see how lovely it was. They, they had beautiful garden. Um, and was it this photograph right yes, here? yes, you can see the driveway. It was lined with lilac trees. And in the back, it was like in Sunset Magazine at some point in time. They, it was a lovely piece of property, um, but they were older and they wanted to sell the property. And so my husband and I purchased the property as an investment. Mm -hmm. And did you ever actually uh, do something with that investment? Did you develop it? We did not. We ended up selling it to Chafee Homes mm -hmm. to develop. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not so you didn't personally develop it, but you you sold it to a developer. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so in this document, um, this dotted line represents the old uh, boundary line between that the property that you purchased from the Michaels and then would then send to Chafee, uh, sell the Chafee Homes and the properties to the West. Uh, it looks like it, this boundary line adjustment moved that property over to the West, correct? Correct. Okay. 15 feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, was this document created and executed in coordination with Mr. Hatch? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I remember very well my husband and I talking about um, how nice it would be to do something that would ameliorate the contention between us and that would give Chris Hatch what he would wanted, which was his own personal private driveway, and would give us what I what we wanted, which is no easement. I see. And then on the next page, I have slide five. This is sort of an annotated version. Uh, this appeared uh, uh, in our briefing. Uh, I've added the colors. Can you describe for me uh, what is in the red outlined box? The red outlined box is the 15 feet boundary line or the boundary line adjustment over 15 feet. Mm -hmm. And uh, the blue box? The blue box is (laughs) the purported easement, the contested easement. Right. Yeah. Now, you ended up giving Chris Hatch the area outlined in red here, correct? Correct. Now, did Chris Hatch pay you any money for that? No, he uh, didn't. Did he give you any consideration or compensation uh, whatsoever for that area other than giving up the easement? No, he did not. Mm-hmm. Did you intend that transaction to be simply a gift to him of 4,500 square feet of your land that you were in the process of selling to a developer? It was not a gift. I I would just object, uh, Madam Examiner, on relevance grounds. Uh, The party's intent is not relevant for what recorded documents purport to do. I'm going to allow... Yeah, go ahead, Mr. Telligen. When you interpret a document like a deed or a, a contract or any other document, the goal is to figure out what the party's intent was. Yeah, I'm going to allow uh, the testimony. Uh, it does provide context on uh, these documents which have been admitted into the record. <clears throat> uh, slide six. Uh, this was, well, I guess, first I'm going to go back here. Uh, you'll note here then the boundary line adjustment. Uh, the lot that you had owned, that you had purchased from the Michaels, is denoted as lot Y, correct? Yes. And the lot that Chris Hatch owned is denoted as lot X. Correct. Yes. So this uh, on slide six is a deed uh, from Chris Hatch to you and your husband, Eric, uh, dated December 22nd, 2005. Do you see this? Yes. Are you familiar with this document? Yes. did you possess this document uh, for any considerable period of time before you filed this appeal? I've had the document since it was executed. 
Okay. And the conveyance says that Chris Hatch uh, agrees to convey and quit claim to you and your husband, quote, lot Y, King County boundary line adjustment. Then it quotes the boundary line, the, the recording number for the bound for the BLA that we were just looking at. Uh, together with that easement or that declaration of easement and restrictive covenants recorded under King County recording number 84121806711. What was your understanding of what this deed did? My understanding um, is as- I would just make the same objection. Um, and I'll, for the same reasons, I'll go ahead and allow the testimony. My understanding is as said before, we gave Chris Hatch a strip of land which was in the Michaels property, and he relinquished his easement over our property. Mm -hmm. and, and, and just so I don't need to keep interrupting, could I just have a standing objection on the, the relevancy of the intent? Yes. Uh, it says here, foreign in consideration of $1. Uh, to your knowledge, did Chris Hatch ever pay you and your husband $1? I do not know. Uh -huh. Would you would you have sold forty five hundred square feet to Chris Hatch for one dollar? No. Jumping down to slide seven, uh, now we're looking at an aerial photograph of your property dated April thirtieth, two thousand and nine. Um, I'm going to zoom in here. Again, your house is in the middle. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you tell me what I'm outlining now? That is Chris Hatch's personal private driveway to his home and pro property and home. Uh-huh. And was that constructed after the 2005 deed that we were just looking at? Yes. And is that constructed on the land that you gave him? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the 2005 deed was executed, uh, did Mr. Hatch ever go on your property again? No, he did not. Did he ever ask to use the easement or do anything in that area? No, he did not. Mm -hmm. Let me see here. Go on to slide eight. Uh, this was, these were part of exhibit J to your former declaration. Um, can you tell me on the right here, or I'm sorry, on the left, those, these trees that I'm outlining, where are those trees located? Those Douglas fir trees are located on the um, north south southwest corner of Chris Hatch's property. To the to the right of the trees, you can see a bit of a driveway. That's his driveway, and it continues on to Northeast 117th Street. In in another perspective, they would be just north of my northwest corner of my property in what mm. was formerly the easement okay so if you wanted to drive through the easement area from 117th to the to the hatch property within the easement area would you have to drive through those trees yes mm -hmm. do you know who planted those trees i asked chris about them after i saw them planted and he told me his wife ping had planted them okay do you know about when that was Oh, gosh. Um, 
it was about two, well, it was after 2010 because my, my fence had already been built. So. I, mm -hmm. Okay. But uh, those trees are, 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 are at least 12 years old or so. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, in the image on the right, uh, can you tell me what we're looking at there? You are looking at a close-up of those trees in the other picture. You're looking at a close-up of those and my fence. Um, okay. And we'll get to the fence in a moment, but I'm, what is this feature? Oh, sorry. It's right a retaining. It's, it's the top of a retaining wall that Chris and his father built as soon as or shortly after um, he, we gave him property on which to build his own driveway and he relinquished the easement. He and his father within days came over and, and built this retaining wall. Uh-huh. Okay. And then uh, we see there's also a wood fence. I think that's what you're referring to as your fence, correct? Yes, correct. Uh-huh. Um, would you know when you built that fence? Built that fence in 2010. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and slide nine. Uh, can you tell me what we're looking at here? We're looking at the other side of the fence that you saw in the previous slide. Okay. Uh, and then beneath it, there's like a sort of a block wall. Is that the same retaining wall we were just looking at the top of? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, what about these blocks that are on the ground right in front of the retaining wall? Those are part of the cinder block retaining wall that Chris and his dad built. And um, over time, <laughs> those Douglas fir trees have, as they do in this part of the world, grown very well. And the roots are pushing out the cinder blocks. Mm -hmm. And so you built this fence, you said, around in 2010. Did you ask Chris Hatch's permission before you built that wall? No, I did not. Why is that? I didn't need to. Mm -hmm. uh, what about this big stone that's in the foreground? In the fall of 2010, in addition to uh, building this fence, I hired a landscaper to landscape the area. And the landscaper brought in, I don't know, half a dozen of these large rocks. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and what about the tree? Did you plant that tree? I did. did there you know, are, I'm ahead. sorry, there are, there are three, um, they're coral bark maple trees. Okay. I'm going to go down. This is a, a sort of further away shot. Can you tell me what we're looking at here? You are looking at my driveway from the street. My house is on the right. The mm -hmm. hedge is on the property line on the left. You're looking down what would have been, what was at one time, the easement. I see. Uh, and we can see that the fence you constructed what goes a bit further to the east. Can you tell me generally how much did it cost you to construct that fence? The fence was about um, six thousand dollars. Uh huh. And you said you had done landscaping in that area. How much did the landscaping yes. cost you? That was about uh, eight thousand dollars. Okay. And then we can see here. Uh, 
in this area, it looks like we can still also see the wall poking out right there. Is that correct? Um, if I take this highlighting off. Yeah, I, it's probably the top half of what you outlined because there is dirt. We, we brought in some fill dirt to kind of, um, you know, the landscaper brought in some fill dirt to make it a nice looking area. Uh -huh. So there's probably a little bit of full, but you still can see some of the retaining wall at the top. Uh-huh. Do Just you know what the sorry? Sure. Yeah, no, don't mean to cut you off. Do you know what the elevation difference is between the base of that wall and the top of that wall? It's about three feet. Okay. So not something you could drive a car over easily. No. Uh-huh. And what about these large trees? Are those the same trees we were looking at before? Exactly. Those are the Douglas fir trees that I, the, the Chris or his wife, I understand his wife planted back in, what was that? Did I say 210, 211? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we have uh, this large hedge on the western side of your driveway. Tell me about that hedge. That hedge was planted um, by the original landscape architect we hired after, as we were finishing building our home. And that hedge was planted, um, see we moved in fall of 93 and it was probably planted at the end of the fall or first of the year, 94. Mm -hmm. So you planted that hedge? Yes, I did. Okay. And as anybody knows who has come to my home, we have the hedge on the west border, on the east border, and across the south border. Mm -hmm. Sort of surrounding, in a U-shape, the west, south, and east sides of your property. Yes, for privacy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I'm going to move on to slide 11. Uh, this is a copy of what was submitted as attachment one to the staff report in this case at pages 75 to 76. Mm -hmm. uh, this, we talked, I talked about this a little bit with Ms. Rubart yesterday. Uh, this was the comment letter uh, that you submitted, uh, sorry, in May, on May 2nd, 2022 to the city of Kirkland. Are you familiar with this document? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. At the time you wrote this document, were you represented by legal counsel? No, I was not. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, I had some discussion about this with Ms. Rubart. You say here in this part that I've highlighted, it is unclear on the map as to how the ingress and egress of the eight to 16 plus cars will navigate the single lane private road that accesses the property. Can you tell me what you meant by that statement? What I meant by that statement was pretty much what it says. I didn't know how the city could justify giving um, the developer the right to develop eight homes when all the only access to that property is the single is this is that single lane driveway that Chris had. Mm -hmm. So when you refer to the single lane private road that accesses the property, are you referring to the existing single lane or are you referring to that plus the easement across your property? I was referring to the single lane that Chris Hatch 
that I knew Chris Hatch had to that property, there was never, there was never a thought about the easement because there is no easement. Mm -hmm. Chris relinquished the easement years ago and there is no easement. So all they have is their, is their 15 feet. So at the time you wrote this letter, were you aware that the applicant had any plans to use the easement across your property? No, absolutely not. Did you know they might chop down your hedge? No. <laughs> okay. Um, I also talked to Ms. Rubart yesterday a bit. Uh, she had, she had, I, I don't know what her, I don't, I don't think she, this was her final position, but she had originally sort of uh, surmised from this that you had looked at project plans for the property or for this project when you wrote this letter. Um, and she had referenced the fact that you mentioned that uh, there was going to be four homes and four ADUs indicating that you had looked at project plans. D did you look at any project plans when you wrote this letter? No, I didn't. So where did you get the information from that there was going to be four homes and four ADUs? From the sign that the developer put up that said, you know, soon to come. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Ms. Rubart had also testified that uh, she had installed a sign in front of the project on along, along 117th. Um, and she says she did that in April of 2022. Were you around in April of 2022? I was not around for the entire month. I was home from maybe the 29th of April until about the 4th of May. Uh-huh. Okay. And, um, yeah, her, her, I stopped this morning on my way to the house, um, and looked at the sign. It, it is posted at about waist height. So one must truly lean over to take a close look and the words are illegible. Hmm. Okay. So, right. And, and, and um, you had said you, you didn't know that the applicant intended to use your easement when you wrote this letter. Do you recall when you first learned that the applicant intended to use your easement or use the easement yes. across your property? Yes, I do. It was um, March of this year. March of this year. And I would just ask if the witness is, is uh, consulting, reviewing any notes while she's testifying. She appears to be looking down when answering. Yeah. I am, I'm looking at dates because I want to be accurate when I give dates. So yes, I have made some notes for myself to make sure that I do not um, give misinformation. And how did you find out that they were going to use the easement? My neighbor, Janice Orr, reached out to me and said, do you realize that buried in, in this document that came with many, 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 many pages, they are intending to use your easement? And I said, There's no, there is no easement. But sure enough, when I dug with her and she showed me, it appeared that mysteriously uh, the city um, thinks there's an easement. <clears throat> okay. Uh, now we're gonna go on to slide 12. 
this was Exhibit G to the Declaration of Moya Howian. Um, and this was a comment letter or a correction letter submitted by the uh, city to the applicant. And I want to call your attention to paragraph two. Um, it says access easement, please submit a copy of the access easement under recording number, then gives the recording number, show that the subject property has legal access to utilize that ingress egress easement. The 8300 Northeast 117th Street properties driveway is located within that easement area. So please coordinate with that property owner for their access. Uh, that's your address, correct, 8300? Correct. Did the applicant ever coordinate you regarding access uh, to the property or anything else? No. Did they ever call you or send you a letter or reach out to you in any manner whatsoever? No. Okay. No one has reached out to me. Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to go on to slide 13. Uh, this was the, uh, Ms. Rubart testified, this was a document prepared by the applicant uh, in which the applicant was sending its responses to back to the city. Uh, and you can see here, it, talks, it has the same correction on the left, and then it has the applicant's stated response. And I've highlighted here in red, it says coordination is ongoing with the neighbor regarding this development is again did any to your knowledge did anybody reach out from the applicant or from the developer or appearing to you to be associated with this development ever reach out to you in any way shape or form about anything no i did not receive a letter did not receive an email did not receive a phone call no one has reached out to me personally about taking over this easement that no longer exists. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to stop sharing. Um, I'm going to jump back real quick. When Mr. Hatch was using your easement, was he the only one who used the easement or were there others? Well, his parents would visit him often. Mm -hmm. And and th that was pretty much, I mean, occasionally he, he had some, I think maybe other family members come, but it was frequent, it was Chris, obviously daily and or close to daily and his parents multiple times a week. I see. Now, in this case, um, <laughs> if the applicant gets what it wants um, and it gets to use your easement, um, by my calculation, you'll have a 120 foot frontage on a driveway now used by 18 by by eight homes potentially and assuming you know two people per home that's 16 people doing that what's that going to be like for you i can't imagine calls for speculation my family and my guests i'll just i'll allow the testimony <clears throat> My family and my guests were at risk when it was just one person, one dwelling on that property. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can't imagine eight homes, multiple people living in the homes. And at the price of those ADUs, I can only imagine that investors are going to buy them and rent them out. So you're going to be having a continual turnover 
of people living there. It's not going to be like a community where everybody wants to be here and we all are here for the same purpose and we all want to get along and, and create a community. It's going to be, you know, people short term coming and going. And it's, I, I can only imagine my family and my guests, uh, we're going to be at greater risk. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we end your testimony today? Yes, there is something I would like to say. It, it is very disheartening to me that the city seems to put the concerns of developers before the concerns of the people who actually live in this neighborhood, own the property. We are a community. There is a sense of community here. And, you know, doing this kind of development is, is, is going to greatly change our community. And I, I'm just, I'm very disheartened that the city of Kirkland is putting the concerns of developers before the concerns of the people who live here and are going to have to live with the outcome of the, this kind of a development, what it's going to do to our safety, to our well-being, to just the, the feel, the sense of community here. It's, it's rather shameful. That's all my questions. Thank you so much, Irene. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mr. Goodman, do you have any questions? Uh, yes, I do. Thank you, Madam Examiner. Uh, good morning, Ms. Justina. Am I, am I pronouncing that correctly? Justina is correct. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as I'm sure you know uh, by now, my name is Brandon Gribben. I represent the applicant. I'm just going to go ahead and pull up the document that Mr. Telligen uh, was going over with you. Now, be, before I, I, I show you that document, um, are, are you testifying from, from your home at 8300 today? Yes. Okay. And when you mentioned you saw the sign, but it was Ill, illegible, you were talking about today you took a look at it? Yes. Okay. Um, questions about the notes you have in front of me. What, what, what are the substance of the notes? My notes are a chronology of 8300 North East 117th Street so that I do not misquote when I say Chris Hatch, for example, Chris Hatch purchased his lot from the Hansons and I have a date because I want to be as accurate as I can be and I cannot remember all of these dates specifically because obviously I don't do this for a living and I'm a little bit nervous. Understandable. Uh, was there any substantive notes in there or was it just a chronology of, you know, property purchased on X, BLA it's, on X date? It's a chronology. Now you testified that when you purchased your home and I'll refer to it as your home or the 8,300 property, uh, you, you were aware of that 1984 easement, correct? Correct. And you acknowledged its validity when Mr. Hatch and his, his parents and other guests used that easement? That is correct. 
Can you see the slide presentation on your screen, Ms. Justina? Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and and so the the easement here on page two, this gives uh, Hatch at the time the owner of that property uh, access for ingress and egress over the driveway on the western 15 feet of your property. Correct. Correct. And th this document also contains other rights. Correct. For example, well, so this is just not an access easement, isn't that correct? So, Mr. Cena, do, do you know if that that document provides any other rights to the parties? It's my understanding that it provides egress, ingress, and utilities easement. Okay, so it also provides the right to have utilities in that 15 foot, the western 15 feet of your property? It would appear so. Okay, and was Mr. Hatch's property served by utilities in that 15 feet? I don't know. And as far as you're aware, utilities were not moved at any point since there was the 2005 lot boundary adjustment between uh, the, the former property owned by Mr. Hatch and what I'll refer to as the HOA property, correct? I don't know. Now, uh, Ms. Justina, looking at this document, uh, this, this also contains height restrictions, correct? Do you see that there? No building structure, plant or tree built or placed or growing on parcel A shall exceed that height restriction, restriction established by the King County Code for the zone classification of parcel A as now existing or as hereinafter amended. Yes, I see that. So in addition to an easement for ingress, egress, it also contained a utilities easement and a height restriction on your property, correct? It appears so, yes. Now going to the uh, page three, and this was taken in 2002, <clears throat> your property here, the <coughs> property, we see the I think you said it was concrete, the concrete driveway providing access to the property owned by Mr. Hatch at the time. Is that correct? Correct. Now on uh, to the uh, immediate west of the concrete driveway, this is the hedge, correct, that we saw in a in a subsequent photo taken yes. from the, the driveway of your property? Yes. And so this is not something that was planted after that 2005 lot boundary adjustment, correct? Correct. So moving to slide four, here is the lot boundary adjustment. And uh, this was between the uh, Hatch, former Hatch property, the applicant's, what I've heard is also the applicant's property. Here it's identified as lot X and uh, the HOA property, which at the time was owned by you and your husband, correct? 
Yes. And the lot boundary adjustment did not impact any boundary lines for the 8,300 property, correct? Would you, would you rephrase that, please? Sure. So this lot boundary adjustment adjusted the property lines for the former Hatch property, which is identified as lot X, and what I'll refer to as the HOA property, which at the time was owned by you and your husband. Correct. And it did not change the boundary lines for the 8,300 property, which was its own separate parcel, correct? Yes. And in fact, the 2005 lot boundary adjustment identifies that access easement right here. Is that correct? Yes. So that, that's shown on the face of this plaque. Um, uh, Mr. Gribben, sorry, you're moving it around a lot. It might be easier for her to focus if you stop moving it. Is, is that correct, Ms. Justina? Please read. Sure. That, that on, the face of, on the face of this lot boundary adjustment, it shows the 1984 easement that burdens your property and benefits the applicant's property on its face. Yes, this was... This was the this was the law. It's my understanding. That this was my only question, Ms. Justina. It was just a yes or no question. If you can allow Ms. Justina to answer the question, um, Ms. Justina, if you can go ahead. Thank you. The easement is shown because at that point in time the easement existed. So this was step one in in providing moving the. This was step one. If you could leave it there, yeah. I could focus. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're moving Susan. the image a lot, Brandon. And so if you're going to ask her a question, maybe you could just leave the image up so she can answer and focus on it. Okay, I thought she was. Go ahead, Mr. Cena. Thank you. I was still speaking. So this shows what existed prior to the lot being moved. So this is the proposed lot adjustment. So the easement is there my guess is for reference. Now, going down to sheet six, this is the 2006 quick claim deed. Who, who drafted this document? Do you know? I don't. Now that 19, so backing up where it says lot Y, King County boundary line adjustment number L05L0057, and then it has the recording number from 2005. That is the HOA property, correct? You know, show me the, before I say yes or no, let, show, show me the, Diagram again, please, because I do not want to be. When you say diagram, you mean the, the lot? Yes, this one right here. Stop. So. Okay. Yes, lot Y is what is now the HOA uh, overlook. And then it refers to, says, together with 
that declaration of easement and restrictive covenants recorded under King County number, and then it has the 1984 easement number. Now, this easement did not benefit or burden the HOA property. Is that correct? I'm sorry, your your question is a bit confusing to me. Sure. The, the 1984 easement, that did not have anything to do with the HOA property, correct? Correct. Now, are you aware that this quick claim deed does, does not show up on title for the applicant's property? Objection, zero foundation, both in his statement and in whether Ms. Uh, Justina knows that. I'm asking if she if she knows. She can and you're making a statement. You're saying, are you aware of something that you have laid zero foundation for? Can you provide some foundation for your question, Mr. Goodman? Sure. Um, so, uh, Ms. Uh, Justina, are, are you aware of uh, any documents on the title for the applicant's property? Could you repeat that, please? Sure. Are, are you aware of any documents in the public records that impact the applicant's property? I'm sorry, any documents in the public record that impact the applicant's document, the applicant's property? Can you perhaps narrow that? That's sure. I mean, I guess I can rephrase that. So, uh, Ms. Justina, have, have you ever gone to the King County Recorder's Office and, and searched for documents on title? Actually, yes. Okay. Have you ever done that for the applicant's property? Um, no. Okay. H have you ever done that for your property? Yes. Okay. W when was the last time you did that? March of this year. Uh, of this year. And did you see this quick claim deed on title to your property? Yes. What? You did. Miss Justina, sorry, I look like you froze there. Yes. Okay. And how how did you search for documents affecting title to your property? Do you recall? I spoke with my now attorney and he indicated that the archives were able to locate documents. I believe this was a document that they located and I went to the archives and they brought it up on microfiche or film or whatever the older version of keeping records was and gave me a copy. And do you recall if you gave them the address for that, or what information did you give them to, to locate that document? Do you recall? My address, probably. 
And when you say your address, are you referring to the 8300? Yes. Okay. And and who specifically did you provide this information to? Was it somebody at King County? My attorney called on my behalf and the records people were able to locate this. I went to the archives and I picked it up. So Ms. Justino, going on to slide eight, uh, looking at the fence here, and I'm sorry, you, you said you built that around 2010? <clears throat> okay. Yes. And I, I believe Mr. Telligen asked you uh, if, if, if you asked for permission to install the fence and your answer was no? That's correct. Did you install the fence over Mr. Hatch's objection? No. Looking at slide 10, do you know, I don't see a date on here. Do you recall when this picture was taken? It was taken this spring, probably in March. Okay. And is this a photo you took or is this from Google Street View or some other source? It's a photo I took. And, and what is this in the background here? Is that a looks like maybe a porta potty? It is. And, and why was the porta potty in that location? because we had a house fire in November of 2022 and we have been living in a rental house, first hotel and now a rental house since then as the cleanup and repairs from that fire are ongoing. And so we have a porta potty for the workers who are working at our home. And uh, when, when did that fire happen? You said uh, when in 2022? It happened um, November 18th. And you said that the repairs are still ongoing? Yes, they are. When did you first see that land use sign that was installed off of Northeast 117? Which land use sign? The the one that was installed uh, by the city, not not the the applicant sign that you referenced. When did the city install it? Well, do you recall when you first saw it? It would be uh, April of twenty twenty two. Okay, so you saw that sign the same month it was installed by the city? Evidently, if you say the city installed it in April, then yes. And was the sign legible when it was first installed? 
no. And so when you say it wasn't legible, does that mean you couldn't read any portion of the sign? When I say it's not legible, it is, I can see the picture that it's trying to convey, but the words are um, in a very small font and they're blurry. And do you recall the 1984 access easement being depicted on that sign? I saw the easement outlined, but I could not read the words. Okay. So you were able to see that it was the, the Western 15 feet of your property, but you couldn't actually read the words access easement along with the reporting number? Correct. Did you ever ask anybody from the city for a more legible copy of what was depicted on that sign? No. Would you like to know why? Excuse me. Um, no, I don't need to know why. Excuse me. Now, Ms. Justina, I'm going to go down to the public or the uh, correction letter. And you were saying, uh, so here's the, the correction letter from the city, the highlighted portion. So please coordinate with that property owner referring to you for their access. And then there's the response it says coordination is ongoing with neighbor regarding this development. And your testimony was that you did not receive any communication or contact from, from the applicant. Is that accurate? Yes. Do you own that property individually? Yes. You, you own it as an individual, not, not in a trust? It may be in a trust. There's some ongoing changes to my estate. Okay. So presumably, do you, do you have a trust attorney? No. Okay. Do you have an attorney in, in Chicago that um, assists you with your, your trust? No. So would you be surprised to learn that the applicant's attorney had actually reached out to apparently somebody who indicated they were Objection. What is the foundation? There's zero testimony to support this. There's a standing okay. objection. I'm asking if that would surprise her if, if somebody if the applicant's attorney had reached out to uh, apparently an attorney who indicated that he apparently sounds like you're stating a fact Mr. Gribben and you should lay some foundation that's my objection 
If you could lay some foundation for the question, Mr. Gribben. So, Ms. Justina, Ms. Justina did, did you have an attorney assist you with, with transferring that property into a trust? I did. Okay. And who, who is that attorney? That attorney is, don't remember the guy's name. He's, he no longer is assisting me. I don't even know what, I don't recall his name offhand. Okay. And, and do you know when the last time he was, when he assisted you? Over five years ago. Did you recall his name? I just told you, I don't recall his name. I, I'm no longer dealing with him. And, and one, one more, one more objection. If he's referring to any sort of communications that relate to this easement, that might have any writing behind them, this would have been covered in my discovery requests. So yeah, there, it there's appears no, that, there's no writing. There's no notes. There's no nothing. No agent. I mean, you wrote that there were that there are no such documents when you were documents. I find this highly suspicious. Privileged. An there attorney, is, con, an attorney contact another attorney. An adverse that is not privileged. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, someone just said privileged. In any event, I don't know. This this all seems kinky to me. And then there's and so far there's no foundation, and it feels like this would be covered in my discovery request. There, there, there's no written communications, Mr. Telegen. Uh, Miss Justina, did you have a new attorney that took over, uh, helping you with your trust? No. Uh, Dam Examiner, if I could just have a minute or two to review my notes, I think I'm pretty close to finishing up here. Okay. <sighs> Uh, Mr. Sinead, I, I guess one final question here. Do you know who a Ron or a Rob Cooper is? George Rob Cooper is my husband. Your your current husband. Yes. Do you know if he received uh, any communications from the applicant's attorney? I do not know. I have no further questions uh, for this witness. Thank you, Ms. Justina. Okay, and then I guess we should turn to Ms. Kroll and then go back to Mr. Telligen on uh, in terms of Ms. Kroll. I didn't know if you had any questions. I do have a, several questions. Um, good morning, Ms. Justina. Good I, morning. Uh, my name is Stephanie Kroll. I'm the Senior Assistant City Attorney for the City. Um, I think I saw you online yesterday, so you know that um, Martha Rubart and Nick Salufo are here with me. Um, my first question 
and I, I might have missed this at the very beginning of your testimony, so I apologize. Uh, where is Mr. Chris Hatch? Could could you could you define that question better, please? Where is Mr. Hatch? Do you know? Is he no. passed away? Mr. Hatch is still alive, as far as I know. Okay, so um, you are claiming that he can support your claim uh, that the easement was vacated. So have you reached out to Mr. Hatch to support that claim? I have not reached out to Mr. Hatch. Okay, do you know where he is? Can you, can you find him? I have a phone number for him, but the he does not seem to respond when I have reached out to him in previous years. Okay. Prior prior to his prior to his selling the property, he had a renter in the house, and there were a couple of occasions when I wanted to ask him something about the property, and he never responded to my to my text messages or phone calls. So. I have no idea. Okay, so you have not tried to reach him since this issue arose with the um, developer of his old property regarding your easement. Is that correct? That's correct. All right, but but you apparently have a phone number for him, and I'd ask Mr. Intelligent to please provide that phone number to the parties. Okay, can I also get my 300 emails? I'll, I'll be happy to give it to you. It's just, it's just funny. It's just funny. I'd be happy to give you Mr. Hatch's email or his, or, or his phone number. There's a lot of hearsay today about what Mr. Hatch did, what Mr. Hatch's intents were, and yet you have not provided Mr. Hatch in this proceeding. I don't think that's funny. Uh, do you do you understand that Mr. Hatch sold this property to the developer for $1.3 million? Do you know what kind of legal hot water he would be in if he held out that this easement exists? I would like to ask Mr. Hatch that question. Are you testifying for him? No, but you can find him just as easily as I can. I think if you're testifying to his intent, you should produce him. The, well, now, I'll proceed now. Very good. I'll proceed now with saying that um, uh, in uh, with regard to the easement, Ms. Gustina, it's my understanding that you have, in fact, filed a title quiet, quiet title action in Superior Court at, at this time. Is that correct? You'll have to ask my attorney about that. I'm not real savvy with all of your terminology. Okay, can you pull it up, please? <clears throat> Document. 
Please scroll and, down, please. Yeah, we'll scroll down. Let us know when you want us to scroll down further. If you Should we scroll, scroll, scroll to the bottom so that I can see that it was Brian Telogen who uh, signed it. Then yes, that is correct. And, and did you authorize this document to be signed and filed with the court on your behalf? Yes, I did. All right. Um, and um, whom are you suing in this quiet title complaint? Can you go up to the beginning, please? We'll, we don't want to make you guess. Whom are you suing? Does it say that I'm suing? Yes, it does. I defer to my attorney. Okay. What people are named as defendants in this quiet title complaint that you authorized to be filed? It appears DK Wuznak Design Building LLC, Legacy Group Capital LLC. I can't pronounce, is it fin Finit? LLC and Christopher Hatch. Okay. And um, to the best of your knowledge, has Mr. Christopher Hatch been served with a copy of this complaint to quiet title? I have no idea. Do you know um, if you have the address for Mr. Christopher Hatch to serve him with this complaint? I do not. Okay. So, um, I'd like to also, I have a, a couple a couple questions about um, the 2005 deed. If we could pull that up, please. And, and I'm asking Nick to do it for me. I think he did. Okay, right here. All right, um, let, yeah, let's really, go. Whoops. I gotta share it. Here. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, Ms. Christina, can you see that? Yes. Okay, could you go up one page, please? And let's look. Okay, and I'm, I'm confirming that Mr. Hatch owns Lot X. Is that correct? Yes. And you and your husband at the time owned lot Y, is that correct? That is correct. Okay, so if we go down to the document, it, it says that Mr. Hatch is the grantor of certain property on lot Y, correct? Let's look at the top of the quick claim deed. Who is listed as the grantor on the top of the quick claim deed? Christopher Hatch, the grantor Christopher Hatch. That's what it says. Okay, and um, and he is conveying and quick claiming the property to whom? This is very confusing. Uh, is this the, it's just the third line. He's conveying and quit claiming the property to whom? 
Eric and Irene Goldbeck. And you are Irene Goldbeck, is that correct? For all intensive purposes, yes. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. At the time, I was Irene Justina Goldbeck, but they didn't put my middle name in. So yes, today I'm Irene Justina. At the time, I was Irene Goldbeck. Okay, okay, thank you for clarifying. Now, um, he is he is giving you, according to this document, all of the title that he owns in Lot Y. Is that correct? I am not an attorney. I do not pretend to understand all of this special language. So if you're trying to catch me in something, I, I'm not going to agree to it because I don't, quite honestly, that's why I have an attorney. No, I, I'm not trying to catch you. <clears throat> I'm trying to understand the document. The document says that Christopher Hatch is giving you all of the title he owns in lot Y. Is that correct? That asked and answered. It, it hasn't been answered. She said she didn't know. It was this, you, you asked the exact same question that she just said she didn't know the answer to. I believe that was the answer, and it may be because of the legal terminology being used. Okay, so just to confirm, Lot Y is the property that you and your husband owned at the time, correct? Yes. And Mr. Hatch did not own Lot Y at the time, is that correct? You owned it, correct? Let me see the above, please. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Seems to be a problem that I have notes. Mr. It appears that if we look at this, you and your husband owned lot Y, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. And Mr. Hatch owned lot X, correct? Correct. And by the lot line adjustment, your testimony earlier was you transferred a strip, a 15 foot strip of land from lot Y to Mr. Hatch on lot X. Is that correct? Yes, there, there is a little more complication to all of this. Sure, go ahead. The complication is that <clears throat> we, were, we were in communication with, we were in contract with Chafee Homes to sell Chafee Homes lot Y. However, we wanted to excuse me, we wanted for part of that arrangement for Chris to get his own private driveway, relinquish the easement and sell the property to Chafee. So there were three things going on at that time. I understand, I understand. So 
it, it becomes complicated. It does. But the intent, I believe, that you testified earlier was to give Mr. Hatch on lot X the 15-foot band from north to south that is at the east side of lot Y. Yes. Right? Okay. And so I don't understand the deed on the next page where Mr. Hatch actually is relinquishing ownership in and giving to you his title in lot Y. And I don't know if you understand. I wanted to ask you if you understood, but it looks like me, to me, like you gave him part of lot Y and then he gave it back. I don't, I don't understand how this deed accomplishes what your intent was. And I just wanted to ask you if you knew. And if so you hold on, know, objection. Are you implying that this deed um, conveyed any portion of lot Y to, or, or, or conveyed anything to Mr. Hatch? Because I think you just said, I, th I think you just said, Ms. Kroll, you wanted to know how this deed accomplished her intent and the intent that you had referenced was her giving Chris Hatch something. Yeah, so, she, and just, and I, she, she and she has not testified that this document conveyed anything to Mr. Hatch. Mr. Intelligent. If I could just add one more objection on again, the relevance of what she believes this document accomplishes. Yeah. I, I, under, I, I hear an examiner, may I ask my question? Yeah, go ahead. Ask your question because um, I've kind of forgotten what it was. But, um, but I, I would just point—I would just point out, just just for everybody's reference, there is another deed that's in the briefing. So I mean, if you're asking about Miss Justina's intent to give Mr. Hatch something, you're missing the deed that we had in our prior briefing. Okay, you're asking her about the wrong thing. About I, the wrong I would intent. ask that Mr. Telligen limit the speaking objections here. I'm just saying you are miss. I'm, I'm going to object because the question is misconstruing her former testimony. May I ask my question, Ms. Hearing Examiner? Uh, yes, Ms. Kroll, um, continue with your question. Yes, I understand there is another deed that conveys the 15 feet to Mr. Hatch. But this deed seems to convey that property back to the Gestinas because he's giving up all title he acquired in lot Y. So I'm, I'm very confused. And I just wanted to know if Ms. Justina was, had any explanation for that. And it is all right if she doesn't. I just want to clarify the facts of this case and what witnesses know what facts. I'm not trying to trick her. I'm just trying to ask if she understands what this quick claim deed means. And it, it's all right, Ms. Justina, if you don't, because uh, did, did you write this quick claim deed yourself? I did not. All right. Do you know what this quick claim deed is intending to do. 
just, just confirming I still have a standing objection on this topic. I understand. I cannot answer your question. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Um, and I thank you uh, for trying. I, I appreciate that you're looking at this and, and helping. Um, I do want to fo uh, follow up. You testified that you um, checked out uh, your title, excuse me, what documents were recorded against your title in March of 2023, is that correct? That is what I testified. I may not know the full extent of what I testified. I'm I'm trying to get along and I'm trying to give you honest answers. And as I said before, I'm not an attorney. So I don't I, I don't always know that what I'm saying is actually conveying. Um, All right. I, I'm just trying to ask you about facts. <clears throat> that you remember. I'm not trying to, my job is not to trick you uh, or, or to make you uh, testify to legal conclusions. Um, I think you heard yesterday I objected when people asked my client questions that were aimed at legal conclusions. So that is not my intent. Um, I'm just asking a fact. Did you check what was recorded on the title to your property in March of 2023? Or, and if you didn't, just please clarify when you did. That, that's all I'm asking. I don't know. All right. Did uh, th this, um, Quick claim deed in front of us was filed based upon the date, um, excuse me, it was signed based upon the date upon the deed um, in December of 2005. Is that correct? That's, that's what it says. Okay. Um, starting with January of 2006, do you recall if you ever checked the filed deeds and easements on your property with the uh, King County Recorder's Office prior to potentially March of 2003? Excuse me, 2023. So my first husband, Eric Goldbeck, did all the paperwork. Okay. And he died in June of 2009. So to answer the first part of your question, my husband was, you know, this was his area. This He, he did the paperwork. He, he actually could he and Chris could have conversations and, and he took care of all the paperwork. So that's why I'm, you know, I'm kind of 
unaware of some of these things because Eric was was doing all of that. All right. So you, the, your answer is is definitely between 2006 and um, mid 2009. You personally would not have checked because if anyone checked, it would have been your husband. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. And um, after mid 2009, up until um, the city posted the development sign in April of 2022, do you recall if you ever personally checked what easements and deeds were recorded against your property. And when I say your property, I mean your property at um, 8,300. I had no reason to. Okay. Do you know if you or your husband prepared a document that ever specifically said that the easement across your driveway in favor of Mr. Hatch's property was vacated. Use the word vacated. Do you know? I don't know. Okay. If that, I don't know if that word was used to answer your question. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I do want to ask you a question about the notice sign. <clears throat> okay, yep, that's the one. Okay, Ms. Justina, can you see the screen? Yes. Can you see um, the plan and the notice sign? There. Yes. Okay, you can see both of them now. Okay, so this is from page five of um, Ms. Rubart's PowerPoint presentation yesterday. And um, the notice of proposal sign uh, went up in April of 2022. Um, do you agree that the sign went up sometime in April of 2022? Um, I was not in town until the last couple of days of April, so I don't know when it went up. Okay, you don't know when it went up. Um, you were in town April 29th to May 4th of 2022, according to your earlier testimony. Is that correct? Without looking at my calendar and, and actually specifying the dates, that's roughly when I was home, yes. Okay. And would that have been the first time that you saw this sign? Yes. Okay. Uh, when did you stop and go out and read the sign? The first. I'm sure, I, I'm sure that I that I read it or looked at it that April of 2022. My comment this morning was that I stopped again this morning. Correct. And we, we appreciate that. 
Um, do you, but you also think you stopped and looked at it possibly on April 29th or a day or two afterwards in of 2022. Is that your testimony? Yes. Okay. And um, you would have seen the map that is uh, depicted on the right-hand side of the sign and for purposes of this slide, blown up on the left-hand side of the slide. Is that correct? Yes. And it showed the short plat divided into four parcels. Is that correct? That's what it looks like. Um, and they're labeled lot one, lot two, lot three, and lot four. Uh, do you agree? Yes. Okay. And then there, can you scroll down a little bit? They, they show um, a panhandle and an access easement to the short plat. Do you agree that's what's depicted on this sign? Whether it's accurate or not, I know you're disputing, but do you agree that this is depicted on the sign? Yes. Okay, I have no further questions. I thank you very much for your testimony. So it's 1040. I'm wondering if we should, uh, we're a little late on our mid-morning break. I wonder if we should do that for 15 minutes and then turn back to you, Mr. Tello, Jim. That works for us. I'm sorry? I was saying that works for us. Okay. All right. Um, so we will then reconvene at, oh, I don't know, um, 1057 or so. Okay. Thank you. If y'all can say sign down, but you can mute yourself, that'd be great. Yep. This meeting is being recorded. Well, welcome back, everyone. Um, I think at this point, we're back on the, the record for Finhill uh, 8 short plot appeal. And I think at this point, Mr. Telligen, you um, may have some questions for Ms. Justina. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, a second, making some notes here. Uh, so number one, uh, Ms. Justina, uh, Mr. Greben uh, spoke to you about uh, your husband. Uh, Rob Cooper. Um, what does Mr. Cooper do for a living? He's an education attorney. Uh -huh. um, where does he practice? Outside of Chicago. Outside of Chicago. Uh, does Mr. Cooper have any ownership interest in your property? No, none. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Gribben asked you, um, well, I guess on that same topic, uh, about uh, the trust uh, that that you own is your in that you own your property uh through and you are the trustee of correct yes uh-huh i am going to share my screen uh during the break uh i went to uh, the king county parcel viewer and pulled up the property tax bill information for your parcel and this is what i got uh, list the taxpayer name as Justine or uh, Justina Irene dash trustee, uh, and then it provides a PO box, a mailing address, PO box two six six one Kirkland, Washington. Do you recognize that PO box? Yes, that is my PO box. Uh, do you check that PO box on a regular basis? Several times a week. You ever gotten any mail from the developer? No. Okay. And I'll submit this afterwards. Uh, I'd like to be to be an exhibit. 
Any objections to that? No objection. All right, that is admitted um, the uh, screenshot from the King County property records. I, I haven't been putting exhibit numbers on these just because <laughs> they haven't, but um, uh, they may eventually be numbered. Very good. Um, last question or a set of questions, Miss uh, Justina or Irene. Mr. Gribben uh, asked you some questions, and I think the city attorney did too, about searching for records at the King County Archives. Have you ever actually gone to the King County Archives to search for records? No, I didn't search. I went uh -huh. to the King County Archives to um, to pick up a copy of a document. Okay. <clears throat> I believe it was the easement. Okay, because you had testified earlier, although you were somewhat hesitant, that you were picking up uh, the 2005 deed. Were you picking up the 2005 deed? No. I had the deed. I was picking up the the uh, easement. Okay, because in the very first part of your testimony, when we, when you were on uh, direct examination with me the first time you and I spoke, I asked you how long that you had had the 2005 deed, and so how long have you had the 2005 deed? Since 2005. Okay, and do you know? Do you recall why you were going to the King County Archives to pick up a copy of the 1984 easement? Yes, because evidently there was um, misnumber misnumbering of that easement. I see. Okay. And, and you were and you did a little research and you were able to discover that that was misnumbered, and so um, it was more convenient for me to go to the archives and pick it up than for you. So that's what I did. Very good. Uh, I think that's all of my questions. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, so Mr. Gribben, anything? I just have a few follow-up questions for Ms. Justina. Um, Ms. Justina, um, do you recall when the city attorney showed you that lawsuit called Complaint to Quiet Title on the share screen? A half an hour ago? Yes. Yes. Did, did, I recall, to answer your question, I recall when she did that. Okay. And did, did you review that document before it was filed with the court? Quickly, yes. But, but not in detail? I'm not an attorney. I don't understand all of your lexicon legalese stuff. That's why I have an attorney and default to him. Uh, you just testified that Rob Cooper is your current husband and that he is an education attorney that practices outside of Chicago. Is that correct? That's correct. And does, does Mr. Cooper live in or near Chicago? No. Does he live with you at the 8300 property? <laughs> yes. And do you both live there full time? Well, when we're not displaced by the fire, yes. Uh, thank you, uh, Ms. Justina. I do not have any further questions for you. Uh, Ms. Kroll, anything further? No, we are uh, concluded. With okay. This. Thank you, Ms. Justina. Mr. Telgen, I guess technically, just Mr. Telgen, anything? 
Come no. 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 Okay. Thank you for your testimony this morning, Ms. Justina. Thank you. May I stop video and unmute? Oh, yes. Uh, you may uh, do that. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Um, so, Mr. Telligent, I think you had one more witness you were going to call. Uh, yes, uh, Mike Hurley. If we could elevate Mr. Hurley to panelist. Checking, uh, Blanca, are you with us to demote uh, Ms. Justina and promote Mr. Hurley? Yes. Thank you. Would you want me to go and then Terry and then Stephen or? Nick, could you please remind me the name of the uh, attendee that you would like me for me to promote? Mike Hurley. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Hurley. If you could state your name for the record. Yes, uh, Mike Hurley. And you swear from to tell the truth under penalty of perjury under the laws of the state of Washington? Yes, ma'am, I do. Thank you. Hi, Martha. I can vouch for the fact I was one of the people that told Brian how awesome you are. So good to see you again. <laughs> uh, let's see. Still good morning, Mike. How you doing? It's you know, fantastic. It's a little bit of a gong show this morning. This is pretty fun. Uh -huh. um, can you tell the examiner uh, your address? Yes, 8226 Northeast 117th Street in Kirkland. Okay, and uh, you are part of the Overlook HOA, correct? That is correct. Uh, how long has that HOA been around? Since the development was completed, uh, which would have been 2012-13, my wife and I purchased our home in 2016, so we weren't part of it originally, but obviously when we bought our home, we became part of the HOA. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you purchased your home in 2016? That's correct. Okay. Uh, would you have a role within the HOA? I do not. Uh, my Well, I have the, the unofficial role of managing this process, uh, this appeal process. So uh, each home provides one officer. It's only four homes. So it's a four home HOA. So uh, each lucky home or, uh, has one resident that's an officer. My wife is the treasurer, which I guess makes me like the financial analyst or something, but so that's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why do they call it, do you know, the overlook at Fen Hill HOA? Really good marketing. It's like Cottage Lodge at Fen Hill. It's, uh, which would be what this would be. It overlooks Lake Washington, overlooks Seattle, overlooks Mount Rainier. It's just, it's kind of at the edge of a hill. So it's a, it's a really nice view. So it's a, it's a good marketing ploy by the builder when they, when they did it. Mm -hmm. And you said you purchased your house in uh, 2016. Where'd you live before that? I have always lived, well, not always. So I've lived on Fin Hill since 2002 when I moved to uh, the Seattle area from North Carolina. So um, 
2002, I moved into a home that was about a mile north of this home um, and have owned two or three homes all on Finn Hill, all literally within a mile of each other. So I like the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Very good. I'm going to start my screen share. And we're going to start with the same image as we did uh, for Miss Justina. Oh, shoot. There we go. Can you see that? I do. All right. Uh, so this is a picture of the subject property in red and uh, Irene's property in green. Uh, and then the overlook is in blue, correct? That is correct. Mm -hmm. Which of the lots do you own within the overlook I, property? The northernmost. So the one at the uh, north end of the blue section. I see. Okay. And I'd like to start off uh, today, if we can, talking a little bit about your neighborhood. Um, if you so I've put the red dot here uh, on the actual Fin Hill 8 project site. Uh, tell me, how do people get to and from your block, your little neighborhood? So the only way, you guys can't see my mouse, so I guess I'll stop moving my arrow on my screen. But if you look up at the intersection of uh, the five-way stop where Northeast 123rd comes up the hill, Brian, if you can highlight that. So Is it in that this area? Five, that's it. So at that five-way stop, when you make the right to go south on 84th Avenue Northeast, that is the only access for all of the homes to the south um, and to the west of that picture until you get down to Juanita Drive. So this, this, uh, this aerial view is a little misleading. It looks like 120th, like Northeast 120th is a through street to, to Juanita Drive, but it actually is not. So it is blocked off. Um, they have a gate there, so you can't go through. So, so this is a uh, very much what I would call a closed loop neighborhood, particularly when you look at the the loop in question that everybody's been talking about for the last two days, which is. Well, let me before before you go on, just one second, yeah. just so I clarify what you said. So, if I were driving east on Northeast One Twenty Fourth up in this area, right, and I were to hang a right on Eighty Fourth and come down, correct. And then I were to make another right on Northeast 120th and go west, I would not be able to connect to 180 Drive? You do not connect to 180 Drive down there. You absolutely do not. Okay. All right. Very good. So go on. And you were beginning to talk about your little loop. Yeah. So, so our little loop that we're talking about, if you come all the way down 84th Avenue Northeast, so, so the block in question, um, you know, obviously I live uh, on Northeast 117th Street. Um, so the block in question is 84th Avenue to the to the east, 117th to the south, 82nd to the west, and 119th to the north. So that's the block that we're talking about. So if you look at all of those homes, and also the homes, if you look at the corner of 82nd and northeast 117th, and if you go south there, you see there's a couple of little dead-end cul-de-sacs, service homes there. So, so all the homes in that area uh, are serviced by the by the one access. That's it. There's only one way in and one way out. Um, you know, those roads that are, you know, and I know some of you have visited the the area, so you know how hilly it is. And you may not know, but I do because I measured that the streets are 21 inches or 21 feet four inches wide. So it's it's not it's not super wide there, but it is what it is. Mm. Did you measure make, do that measurement yourself? I did. Yep. I, I measured there. Um, if you go further north on 84th, once you get up closer to the five-way stop, it widens. Um, you know, I measured some streets like in Kirkland, east of Market. They're typically 36 feet wide compared to this 21 feet, four inches. So just for comparison. 
Gotcha. So in this picture, uh, I believe this is your house, right? It is, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and, tell, and we have a project going in here at Fin Hill 8. Correct. Uh-huh. Uh, that's going to be, uh, at least the, the signs have said, eight homes. Uh, tell me about the property to your immediate west. Well, interestingly enough, Miss um, Howian wants to make a Mike Hurley sandwich because uh, uh, that was originally uh, posted as a, the sign was posted as a two plat or two lot short plat, um, which is what the sign said, but, but digging into it further, link at the permits and you have to go down to a subset of permits. Apparently, uh, much like, you know, four homes became eight for the project in my front yard, the project in my backyard, two homes are becoming four, replacing mm. the one home that's been there. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting development that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And what about further to the west in this area? So there's another lot there that was a four, again, a four lot short plat. Um, and my digging on that one hasn't indicated any further plans beyond that. It's it's still obviously early in the process. So, you know, a rational person would have the same fear that, okay, our four lots or four homes about to come eight there, because that seems to be where we're going with this. Mm -hmm. right. Do you know if the applications for those uh, were submitted before or after uh, the decision on this project? I believe they were submitted after. I could go back to mypermit.com, but I believe they were after. Hmm. Okay. That's just my belief. I could double check to make sure. Okay. I'm sure somebody uh, is frantically doing that right now. Um, let's see here. Now, the neighborhood, uh, there's been lots of comments in this case uh, about potential traffic and traffic safety impacts. Um, I believe you raised some, there's been lots. So I'd like to take some time uh, to just sort of go through uh, the neighborhood a little bit in photographs and have you point out and explain what we're looking at, okay? Sure. Uh, slide three, uh, this is from your declaration. Uh, can you just tell me real quick what we're looking at here in terms of the houses and what's inside the blue, red, and green boxes? Sure, absolutely. So the houses you see on the left with the, the uh, purple shingles, they're not really purple. Um, because I'm sure that's a violation of something. Uh, those are our homes. So my home is the northernmost home. Um, the blue box is our uh, access road, privately owned by our HOA. The red box is the driveway in question, um, you know, that serves what we'll call as the former hatch property, now the development property. And then the green box, um, I would have said, is uh, is Irene's driveway, but uh, now I'll say it's Irene's driveway and I guess... Uh, Alleged easement, but yes, those are those boxes. Mm -hmm. uh, next slide, slide four. What are we looking at here? Same thing. It's just a street view. So again, the blue box is is our uh, our street. Um, you can see our sidewalk there. That's a part of our development. The red is the driveway that services um, the applicant's property, and then the green is Irene's driveway. While this sign is while this slide is up, I just if I could give just a little clarification on the on the sign, specifically the city sign. Yeah. So because I drive by it every day because I live there, the sign itself actually went up in January, but there was nothing posted to the sign. So the sign that says, you know, four plot subdivision in the RSA six zone or whatever it says, I'm doing it from memory, that sign went up in January ish late January sometime around my birthday I don't know the exact date um, 
So just for clarification, I know people have said that that sign went up in, in April. What did go up in April was, was as, as Martha said, that was when the additional information was stapled to the sign. But the sign went up. So um, it was just kind of interesting that, you know, when it went up, you know, obviously I, you know, Googled what is RSA 6 and did the math and said, okay, well, everybody's going nuts because they're going to put four houses on that lot. But quite frankly, the math itself says, all right, well, by that calculation, you can do four houses. Now, I don't know anything about easements or widths of driveways or whatever. Yeah, there's a sign. I don't know anything about that. But, I, you know, everybody had time to digest um, for three months that, OK, they're going to put they're going to put four houses in here. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was kind of the, what everybody assumed in the neighborhood. And then, of course, when when more information came up and the and the you know, developer put their sign up and, and this additional information came up the middle of April, that's when that's when people started going a little bit on tilt. So let me ask you. So this this is uh, let's see, this is page sixty six uh, to the attachments to the staff report. Yeah. Uh, this was I, I, I spoke with uh, briefly with Mr. Rubart yesterday about this. This was an attachment to a uh, comment letter submitted by Leah Conakin. Yeah, I submitted it as well. Several people submitted the same picture. I'm sure. Yeah. So tell me. So you said the sign went up in January. Um, what was added to it in April? The blue documents and the white uh, document. Was there anything in that big white space before that? Well, not that I recall. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, jumping back to the slideshow. <clears throat> what are we looking at here on slide five? So this is, uh, this is taken, looks like it's, close to the end of our private road looking south. So this is this is why it's called Overlook at Fen Hill. So this is the view um, from the peak of the hill, kind of taken, you know, from, like I said, directly across from, from our HOA property, showing the, you know, the vistas that you have of, of uh, Seattle, of the lake, of the Mount, Mount Rainier, if you look off to the to the left, et cetera. So that's uh -huh. a, that gives you an idea. It's a, it's a very, very popular gathering area just for walkers, um, you know, in 4th of July, for example, people come so they can watch the, the fireworks, right? You can see the fireworks on the Space Needle, you can see the fireworks from Bellevue and Medina and all the way down the lake. Uh, same thing at New Year's Eve, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's for people in the neighborhood, a lot of people gather there, you know, just because it is such a nice view. I see. And uh, this image isn't the best image quality, uh, but I'm going to zoom in here. What are we looking at uh, in this area? That would be Seattle. Okay. So is this the Space Needle over here, I think, probably? Uh, that, that should be the Space yeah. Needle. Yeah, Queen Anne Hill, the towers are up there to the, to the right. So yeah, that's, that's all there. It's a little cloudy, but yes, you can uh, see it. Can you, can, you, can you see the Olympics from that view? The city okay. is going to project at this point, um, mostly for timing and relevance. Uh, first of all, uh, the fact that this man is entitled and has beautiful views is not part of this hearing. Um, and the fact that there's no foundation that views are protected or that views would be impacted by a division of land into four lots. Um, and that is what this is about. Uh, and so I think if we could just move along and have relevant evidence, the city would appreciate that. It's not about those things. I'm we sure Mr. Will kind of move, move the testimony along. Sure. I'll go faster. 
Yeah. So um, did you understand that I was asking you these questions because you're entitled, Mike? Uh, I'm I'm an I'm an entitled person. Um, yeah, who has a beautiful view apparently. So okay. Um, do these uh, views draw people to the area? Hundred percent. Yeah, there's a lot of walkers that come to the area. People ride their bikes to this area. You know, and you could see why it is. It is a beautiful area. So. Uh, tell me about the pedestrian traffic on 117th and on the block that's on the streets that surround your block. Uh, tons of pedestrian traffic. You know, people not only in the immediate block there, but people all <clears throat> at the top of Finn Hill. It's just a nice, you know, both walking and and running loop. It's a little hilly. So as somebody that's, that's you know been in the neighborhood for 20 years, I can tell you that. Um, there's more walkers than runners these days, but yeah, this gets a lot of a lot of traffic. And the, the block in question, as you'll see when we go through the pictures, is very little sidewalk. Mm -hmm. um, understandably, right? Because these, I mean, these were developed years ago. I'm not complaining about the fact that there aren't sidewalks. There's nowhere to put one, so I'm not. That's that's not a complaint. Mm -hmm. And what are we looking at here? Slide six. So uh, this is the same basis, Your Honor. I don't see how this is helping us resolve whether or well, not. Short... Well, I, I think the point of the testimony was that the views draw people to the area. So it's not a view impacting per se, but it's an, an asset in the area that does draw people to it. So it relates to, uh, I think, the safety and traffic issues that have been drawn up. That's my take on the testimony. So I do see the relevance. Uh, what are we looking at here? So this is looking north. Um, I'm sorry, looking east on Northeast 117th. So mm -hmm. this would be taken from the corner of Northeast 117th and 82nd Avenue. So this just shows how steep it is, you know, going up the hill. It's it's a blind curve to your left. And then obviously it's a blind, blind, uh, blind hill up at the top. So so at the very crest of that hill is where the previous picture was taken. And if you took a left there, you'd be going onto our private lane that services our house. Okay. Is this a slope that gets much pedestrian traffic? Tons. This entire loop gets tons. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, slide seven, what are we looking at here? So this is uh, just a little further north on 82nd. So if you go down to the, to the top of your page, which would be that blind corner, that's where we just were. So this is showing the downhill and it's showing the blind curve there that you cannot see anything coming around the corner. Mm -hmm. Okay. Slide eight. So this is, if you went further south on 82nd, down below that blind corner we just looked at, this is a, a private lane that services, there's a couple of little cul-de-sacs here, um, you know, that service homes down there. And so again, when you're pulling up here and you notice there's no stop sign or anything. Um, so it's, it's a, you know, kind of a hazardous spot there too, because it's again, just, just blind, you know, blind corners and hills everywhere. Mm -hmm. You keep on mentioning the word blind. Why is that significant to you? Uh, well, safety. I mean, that, that's that's the whole the whole point here is that you know we're worried about the you know best interest of the community and safety is a big part of that. And so I've I've got concerns about safety. I've got four kids, you know, that, that play in this neighborhood, so um, it's worrisome. Slide nine. What are we looking at here? So this is at the crest of the hill on Northeast One Seventeenth. You'll see the no parking sign there. Um, Everything's supposed to be no parking along this block, as I understand it. The signs certainly say so. And then, of course, you see Irene's driveway is the first driveway you see there on the right, uh, the first break in the hedge. And then you have the driveway for the subject property and then our private lane. Mm -hmm. I notice in this particular image, it says no parking anytime. And then the two arrows are running parallel to Northeast 117th Street. Uh, do you know, is, um, 
Is that to indicate to your knowledge that there's no parking on that side of the street or no parking on either side of the street? You know, not being a traffic expert, I, I can't answer that with certainty. I can tell you that, that there are some signs in this block, in this area that are that are facing parallel to the street. And then there are some that are perpendicular to the street. So I don't know if the orientation of the sign is supposed to indicate one side or both sides. So I, I can't speak to that with certainty. But I mean, common sense would tell you when it's 21 feet wide, you shouldn't be parking on the road. Uh -huh. Do people park on this road? All the time. Mm -hmm. uh, is that on the south side or the north side? I will say that primarily people tend to park on the south side. Um, and and I, I think that's, you know, maybe the maybe the sign is actually a deterrent on the north side. So it's typically now you'll see people parked on the north side sometimes, for example, if it's a delivery vehicle, uh, service vehicle, landscaper, you know, they're just going to park wherever they can park. Um, but but typically, typically the illegal parking on this particular street is on the south side. I see. And how does that affect, how, how does street parking affect sort of the circulation and the flow of traffic on this street? Well, it effectively makes it a one, a one-way road, right? And so just yesterday, um, my wife texted me that she was, she was coming up the, up the hill and, you know, there was the pedestrian that was walking and then there were two vehicles coming the other way and a big delivery van behind them. So she had to stop and she almost got rear-ended because she had, she had to stop just past the blind curve. Uh, at the intersection of 117th and 84th, she had to stop because, you know, there was no way to get around the pedestrian with the other vehicles coming. And then the car coming around that blind curve, she thought she was going to get rear-ended. Thankfully, she did not. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what are we looking at here? That's the that's the curve I was just referring to. So that's, that's the blind curve, 84th Avenue, um, Northeast, you know, going the sharp right turn to Northeast 117th. And so, again, the picture you know, pretty well shows, you know, the, the steepness of the slope, but you can see it better when they're in person. And again, I know some people have visited the area, so you, so you know what, what, the, uh, what the situation is there. So I can, I can tell you that, again, with, with four kids and lots of friends that have kids, the one thing that we drill into our kids as we're teaching them to drive is you have to treat this almost like you're making a right turn into a driveway when you're going on that road. Like come almost to a complete stop and make sure you are hugging that corner because people coming the other way don't see you. It is an incredibly, incredibly dangerous um, area. How about slide nine? So this is at the top of Northeast 117th, looking down, looking east to that same blind corner we just looked at. This doesn't really give you the perspective, but that is a pretty steep hill going down. So and this so, is basically approaching the same curve uh, but looking at it from the west rather than the north. That's correct. Uh huh. Very good. Uh, and how about here, slide ten? So this is going north on Eighty Second Avenue. So off to the left there somewhere would be the four the the proposal I mentioned earlier, where there's a a four uh, lot plat proposal, and then off to the right. We're actually a little bit further north of it would be the the two lot that, as we now know, is actually you know, proposed to be four instead of two. So, okay, blind curve up a hill. Mm -hmm. And now we're sort of coming out of your block, and we're on slide eleven. What are we looking at here? Let's see. This is we've already gotten to the top. The top picture is we've gotten up to the top 
of 84th. So, so basically this is the, there's a big hill on 84th Avenue Northeast. And so this is, I think, showing that from both sides. It's a, it's a, a blind hill both ways. And again, this is another thing we drill into the kids. We were all kids once too, and everybody thinks it's fun to try to drive fast over a hill like that and catch air. And, and you hear people do it. And I cannot emphasize how frightening that is, especially when you have have kids and walkers and dogs and everything else. So it's a, it's a pretty dangerous situation there. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, yesterday, I believe Ms. Mr. Salufo testified that in all the public comments, there was nothing really unique. Um, in your experience, driving around Kirkland, are these just sort of typical problems? You know, I, I, I can't purport to have driven around every section of Kirkland, but, you know, I, I get that there are issues everywhere, right? But, but it does appear that, that just because of the nature of the topography here, uh, with all the blind curves and the, the hills and the blind spots and the relative narrowness of the streets, once you get down into the area in question, um, it would seem to be, you know, one of the more dangerous areas. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how about here? So this is heading north on 84th Avenue Northeast. This is where I was telling you that the road actually widens. So this is a wider section. So you're further north of, of, of the block you know, that we're referring to and shows the, uh, the only speed limit sign headed that way, but it's a 25 mile an hour speed limit all the way through. Okay. Is there any, are there any posted speed limits, do you know, between this location and your neighborhood? Uh, no, well, that one is heading north. When you're heading south, there's a speed limit sign that's somewhere up there heading south our direction showing 25, but there are none down in our area. I see. Quite honestly, with the curves, you know, <laughs> you would like to think people have sense enough to know they shouldn't be going faster than 25 anyway, but, you know. Mm -hmm. Do uh, you ever see people exceeding what appears to be 25 miles per hour in your neighborhood? Yeah, we do. We do. Mm -hmm. uh, and how about here? So this is also, this is just another view of that blind hill going south on 84th Avenue Northeast. And again, this is one of the no parking signs that are referred to. You know, this one is facing, it's, it's perpendicular to the street. So, you know, does that indicate you can't park on either side? Or is the other one indicates you can only park on one side? I, that's a question for somebody else that, that understands how the sign's supposed to be read. But, uh, and then of course it, it does show that they're hidden driveways. Again, I, I'm sure that was put there just as an effort to try to get people to understand yes. you gotta slow down because you cannot see what's coming over this hill. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, just to go back to the beginning, that sign we just looked at that said hidden driveways and had the perpendicular sign, where would it be on this map? It would be uh, right around the intersection of 84th Avenue Northeast and Northeast 120th Street. Let's in see. That general, right in that general vicinity. In that area. Yeah, I can't tell you exactly, but somewhere in that general vicinity. Okay. Uh, are there any ever any problems you've experienced or, or, or seen with people backing out or backing into their driveways in this area? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, th th there's a new development there at the, at the north west corner of 84th avenue northeast and northeast 119th street uh, i believe it's got seven homes there it used to be you know a property with with one home and sold and developed with, with seven homes there um so the people that that back out on the 84th avenue northeast have some problems um the another big concern is just northeast 120th street itself that is a very blind intersection for people coming east on northeast 120th um, so between that and Northeast 119th, people that are coming east 
to get onto 84th Avenue Northeast. Um, it's 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 a hazard. It's a daily occurrence where if you're if you're going on 84th Avenue, you know, even though you've got the right of way, if you live there, you know, you better slow down and assume somebody's coming out because they don't see you. Or if they if they see, they just don't look. Examiner, now we're not even talking about the neighborhood. We're talking about intersections blocks away from the neighborhood. Uh, that's so about a quarter of a mile from my house. Not in the neighborhood. What? How do you find neighborhood? I'm confused. How's that? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Let me just cut the short. I'm gonna allow the testimony. It's within the area of the community, the local area. I, I so yeah. I believe it's relevant. Uh, thank you. Um, let's see. I'm gonna jump back to this slide. Um, and. You had, you had previously previously submitted a declaration, Mr. Hurley. I'm going to read just a, a little snippet from paragraph 11 to that declaration. You wrote, um, there is also traffic that bleeds onto our private street from our neighbors because there is no street parking close by. You say it is not uncommon for cars to trespass on our property due to the extreme lack of street parking. Um, yesterday, as part of Ms. Rubart's uh, testimony, she had said that um, neighborhood concerns about trespass and going on other people's property were, um, quote, presumptuous and unsupported. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I could take pictures to support it, but it I'm just, as somebody that lives there, I'm telling you that it happens. You know, there, there's nowhere, legally, you're not supposed to be parking on, on Northeast 117th. And so when people come and they're visiting other people or delivery drivers or whatever, they've got to put their vehicle somewhere they feel like. And so, you know, obviously our private lane would be, you know, they would think it's fair game, you know, so it happens. Do people trespass on your private lane today? Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and what kind of circumstances are those? Again, it's, it's, it's typically either somebody that's visiting uh, somebody in the area or it's a delivery or service driver of some sort, and they don't have anywhere else to park because there's nowhere you can park on on 117th, so they just see an open spot and say, hey, here's somewhere where I can put my car. How often does that happen? You know, like I, I could, you know, frequently, you know, sometimes it's it's two or three times a day. Sometimes it doesn't happen for three or four days. So it's, mm -hmm. it's frequently, but I can't give you an exact number, but it, oh. it does happen. Uh, can you tell me in this image, um, is this greenhouse part of your uh, HOA? Uh, it is not. Now, that's a house that's accessed from Northeast 119th Street. Okay. What's this gray vehicle in this image? It looks like it's a delivery van in front of Matt's house. Matt, what did you get that day if you're on the call? But that's that's what it looks like. It's it's not a uh, it's not a residence vehicle. It's some kind of service vehicle. Uh-huh. Do you get service vehicles frequently at your HOA? Oh yeah. Yeah. Everybody loves Amazon and you know, food deliveries and dog groomers and UPS. Yes, all the time. No different mm -hmm. than any other neighborhood, I would guess. Okay. Um, have uh, in your declaration, you had spoken about talking to other members of your HOA to sort of get a feel of how much, how many trips per day just your four home HOA generates. Uh, do you recall what you uh, concluded? Well, I'd have to, I can look and see, but I can. About Mr. Hurley, is he a traffic engineer? Does he know how to calculate lawful trips per day? I'd like some foundation. Mr. Hurley, you have neighbors who drive cars, correct? I do, and I drive one myself. Uh, and you spoke to those neighbors, correct? 
yes, we actually had a, a, a special meeting of the HOA to discuss this. Right and and, and you're, you're capable of counting the number of cars that you think you drive in your own experience uh, amongst yourselves in and out of your HOA, correct? I'm really good at counting. I'm good at math. Okay. And you also get deliveries amongst those four houses. I do. And you have personal knowledge of how many deliveries you tend to get. I do. Right? Okay. Do you know what was the outcome when you all got together and talked about those things when you just sort of figured out generally how many trips per day your little four home HOA generates? Yeah. Well, I objection based on hearsay and objection to the extent that they are trying to submit anything that would be regarded by a traffic engineer's trips per day. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to allow this. Mr. Hurley to testify as to what is within his experience and knowledge. And so far, I believe that's what we've heard. Uh, I'll be, I'll be fair. Just from my house, you know, we probably get conservatively five Amazon deliveries a week. Sometimes we get two or three a day, you know, because the kids are now teenagers and they've learned how to order stuff because nobody goes to buy retail anymore. So we probably get minimum of five a week. So when we had the discussion with the HOA, you know, we came up with numbers that if you, we didn't break it down just by Amazon deliveries or food deliveries, we kind of added everything up, right? You got Amazon deliveries, you got, you know, UPS, you've got HVAC providers, you got plumbers, you got service providers, you got house painters, you got landscapers, you got dog groomers, you know, because we're all entitled. So we do those things. Um, we figured that we probably have 40 to 50, you know, trips per week. That's not our trips. Okay. So let me make, make the distinction clear. That's service providers, deliveries, et cetera. We didn't try to add up the number of trips that we as residents make because we're obviously in and out all the time. And we have, let's see, three, four, five teenagers in the neighborhood that are currently driving with three more that are about to be driving. So you can imagine the number of trips they make. So again, to be clear, what I, what I put and what I talked about, the number of trips were not the residents' trips. They were other than the residents. If you just counted, you know, the people that actually live their trips, you can double or triple that number. But mm -hmm. I'm not a traffic engineer, and I I absolutely agree with the city attorney. I this is just this is my experience. I have no no uh, no designs on being a traffic engineer. What do you do for a living, Mr. Hurley? Uh, I'm a um, VP of business development for a large company that provides uh, parts to commercial vehicles. Uh -huh. So oh. got a mechanical engineering degree, you know, been, like I said, I'm pretty good at math. <laughs> Fair enough. How many cars are in your four home HOA? So we recounted because Matt Cohen said yesterday, I think he said 13, but we actually recounted last night and there are really 14. Um, and then there are three more to come because, you know, we got three more, you know, teenagers that are all 15 are going to be 16 uh, by the end of this year. So there's about to be three more cars added to the fleet. So that's going to get us up to 16 cars for our four houses. Hmm. So that's, that's basically four cars per house. Yep. Well, we got a couple, again, my wife and I are a blended family. So we've got four between us. Uh, the next door neighbor has two. The neighbor next to them is a blended family with four. And then the oars in the end have one. So yeah, there's a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, now I'm going to read again from your declaration. This is paragraph 13. And you say that the roads here 
already feel dangerous with so many cars, blind spots, obstacles, and pedestrians. And then it fit, feels very much like our roads are already way over capacity. Can you explain that to me? Like yeah, what, it, like uh, from a personal level? Yeah, it just, again, it, it's as somebody that we walk our dog every night, right? And I answered, I believe that's what we just heard here. Um, fair I enough, fair enough. Okay, let's, we'll move along. That's, I, I think that, I think everybody that has commented has made it clear that we all think it's dangerous because there's a ton of traffic in the neighborhood. And just on Northeast 117th, for example, that small section of road currently services, what is that, seven or eight homes? And we're now just in terms of traffic that feeds onto Northeast 117th from that, from that north side of that road. Um, so now we're talking about essentially doubling that. So, I mean, the, the whole point we're all trying to make is from a safety standpoint, you know, these roads that are narrow and crowded and dangerous, we're just adding more cars to the mix. It, it just doesn't seem very safe. And, and you'll notice at no point have I complained and said that we need to widen the roads or add sidewalks. You know, I get the practicality that there's no room to do it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, don't make the problem worse. Mm. Um, how do you feel about the fact uh, that in the city's uh, director's decision, they gave you phone numbers to call? It... <laughs> It felt a little bit like, uh, you know, pat you on the head and take it up with the safety committee. It was it wasn't received well. I'll just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else, Mr. Hurley, that you'd like to say today before your testimony ends? You know. Yeah, so so I don't I don't have any issue with with smart development whatsoever. I get it. And I know there's a master development plan and I know there's a housing, I get all that and I, and I support it. And I don't have any issue, quite frankly, with the applicant, with the developer trying to, to maximize their profit on their investment. I'm in a for-profit business too. I do the same thing. I wanna maximize my profit, no issue whatsoever. And I think that everybody's motivations and, and everybody is coming at this thing, doing what they think is best. I guess what I'd like to say is that when you look at just this specific area and, and the planning, you know, I heard yesterday that, that, okay, well, this one project doesn't kick off enough concerns. We need to do any kind of traffic thing. Or at one point there was some discussion that, well, we really don't have to worry about, you know, public health, safety, and welfare if, you know, it doesn't trigger these three flags, whatever it is. You know, it, it's hearing those kind of things. It's, it's just amazing to me. And when you look at this thing, don't look at this one in a vacuum. Look at the entire little block there. Look at the number of homes there. It's, I mean, to me, planning should be the, hey, let's look at the whole big picture. What are we adding to this area that really has no correct infrastructure to do it? And so, again, I have no issue with the developer whatsoever. You know, they're, they made an investment. And they want to maximize their investment. My issue is just the absolute vehemence with which the city is defending their position on this thing. And, and quite frankly, to have the city attorney tell me I'm entitled and have nice views are you kidding me? We deserve better. As citizens, we deserve better. And, and this whole thing is an embarrassment. Again, not the developer. They're doing what they ought to do. But the city's reaction to this, it's like a South Park episode. I, I, I just, I can't, I can't, I'll just stop now because I know we're trying to go faster, but <laughs> let's have some intelligent, you know, well thought out planning here. I'm not saying no development. I'm just saying, let's do what makes sense. 
And, and that's just, that doesn't appear to be what's happened. And again, no issue with the developer, but just the way the city is digging in their heels on this thing. And it's almost like they're turning on the citizens. You know, in every conflict, there's two sides. I totally get that. And I don't even expect the city necessarily to be on the side of the citizens. You know, if the issue is, hey, the neighborhood has an issue with what the developer's trying to do, let's figure out these codes, what are they doing? It'd be nice if the city would just kind of be an impartial third party, but it's not. So we've had to get an independent hearing examiner to try to get involved because the city is trying to adjudicate this thing on behalf of the of the developer. I, I, I don't know. It just makes no sense to me. It, it's it's not a good look for the city in, in my opinion. So that's it Thank for you. me. Thank you, Mr. Hurley. I have no further questions. All right. Are there, uh, yeah, uh, yes, I'm sorry. Mr. Oh, I, was just, I believe it's my, my turn. Yes, yes, I was about to. Uh, Mr. Telligen, could you take down the share screen, please? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, uh, what are we? Uh, still good morning, uh, Mr. Hurley, as I'm sure you know by now. My name is Brandon Gribben. I represent the applicant. Um, and I only have too many questions for you here. I just wanted to follow up on a few things that Mr. Telligen asked you. Uh, so you had indicated that you measured the street at, I believe, 21 feet, four inches. Is that correct? That is correct. And do you know if that complies with the width requirement for the street that, excuse me, the street designation of Northeast 117th Street? Well, I would not have known that had I not looked to see that 20 feet is the minimum. So again, I've never said it doesn't meet anything. I've just said it's pretty narrow. Um, so give me one second to pull up the slides here that Mr. Telligen showed you. Okay, do you have that on your screen? I do, sir. Now, the no parking sign that you had talked about, this is the one here on the north side of 117th Street, correct? Yep, that's correct. And it wasn't quite clear, but there is no corresponding sign on the south side of, of the street. Is that accurate? There is not. That's why I stated that I uh, wasn't sure if that was supposed to be for both sides or the north side. Okay. And you indicated sometimes folks park on the north side, but the majority of the time, if people do park, they park on the south side. Mm -hmm. that's, that's fair. Did you ever ask the city to request that they install a no parking sign on the south side? Nope. Uh, going to slide 13, and I think you had said that this is um, heading north, and would heading that south. be a... That's heading south. Okay. That's heading... Yeah. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I said if I said north, I misspoke. That's heading south on 84. South on 84. Okay. And are there any uh, hidden driveways past this sign? Uh, yes. Okay. And signs there. Did you ever request that the city install hidden driveway signs where you felt they might be appropriate? Nope. Uh, looking at slide 12, uh, there's the speed limit, uh, the 25 mile an hour speed limit. And I think you did say that this, this is heading south on 84th. That one is heading north, but there is another one when you're heading south, there's another one somewhere. It's just okay. 
And is it in a similar location to where this uh, 25 mile an hour sign is? It's within a quarter of a mile of it for sure. And, and I guess going back to the map, just for my own information here, uh, you know, going down, do you know generally where that uh, speed limit sign is? Um, it's going to be somewhere around where your hand is. Okay, right around this intersection. I think so. It's somewhere in there. Okay. And just for, for scale for everybody, that from that five-way stop down to the corner is, is I want to say, less than half a mile. Okay. So you're talking about a half mile from up here all the way to the south point? Yeah, maybe not even that. I, I could go measure, but it's it's half mile or less. Okay. And did you ever request that the city install speed limit signs to the south of the speed limit sign you just referenced? Nope. So, so you had you had talked a bit about the the HOA meeting and 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 the folks in the HOA had talked about uh, you know collective trips, and you talked about how many cars you have, and then how many you know, the Amazon deliveries we all get, other people, uh, I think you mentioned dog groomers, landscapers, and I heard you say 40 to 50, and I wasn't quite clear, was that was that total trips per day or per week or something else? That's per week, not per, per week. week. Per week. Yeah. Okay. We did everything per week. Got yeah. it. And, and I think you said about four to five Amazon deliveries, maybe a week on average, but obviously with the kids, you know, sometimes up to a couple a day. Yeah, and that, that four to five was... For me personally, the 40 was kind of a collection of the whole neighborhood. Understood. Okay. Now, Mr. Telligen had asked you, he had read a couple quotations from your declaration that was submitted in response to the applicants and the city's motion to dismiss. Hmm. And I believe it was paragraph 13 and ju just reading from, I think the, la the last sentence of paragraph 13, and I think maybe you said something similar in your testimony. You said, frankly, it feels very much like our roads are already way over capacity and more traffic is very likely to make a bad situation worse, exacerbating existing traffic hazards. Does that sound accurate? That sounds spot on. Okay. Now, to be fair, it doesn't sound like you um, make any attempt to limit Amazon deliveries. Is that is that an accurate statement? <laughs> That's a very accurate statement. That's just, yes. Plenty of deliveries that aren't Amazon. Yes, you're correct. And you had, you had mentioned there's currently 14 cars in the HOA, and then there's going to be three additional cars added soon, correct? That's, well, I, I can... That's presumptuous. I know there's going to be one when we have our 15-year-old turn 16, and I'm fairly certain that the two other families that have kids about to turn 16 are going to do the same. Understood. And I, you know, assuming contingent on passing a uh, driver's test, but well, they will be of age yeah. to to drive here very shortly. That is correct. Uh, Madam Examiner, just give me a if I could have just one minute. I think I'm uh, almost finished here.
so j just a couple more questions, Mr. Hurley. Um, when you were talking about the city giving you a phone number and um, I forget how you phrased it, but you didn't really um, feel that it was a uh, uh, an appropriate, I guess, response for lack of a better word. Were, were you talking about the phone numbers posted on the on the short plat sign? Were you talking about the proposed short plat that you had called about? No. In fact, I don't. I think Brian may have paraphrased something on the phone number. What, what I meant to be very clear was the response from the city was essentially, you know, contact the safety committee. I, any reference to a phone call has nothing to do with the sign. Okay. Uh, those are all the questions I have. Uh, thank you for your time. Okay. Uh, Ms. Kroll, did you have anything? I do. Um, good morning, Mr. Hurley. I think we're in the morning here for seven more minutes. <laughs> then we... Well, we are. Then we cross over. Yeah. And so um, you said you work for a large company. Can you tell me what company that is? Sure. Name of the company is Consolidated Metco. We're a division of Amstead Industries. And do, are they located in Kirkland? Uh, we have a remote office in Kirkland. Amstead Industries is headquartered in Chicago. ConMet, our subsidiary, is headquartered in Vancouver, Washington. Okay, thank you. And um, when did you buy um, your home at the Overlook? Can you pull that up, Sean? Or... May, I believe, 16th of 2016. Uh, don't make a liar of me there and say I've got the date wrong. I know I've got the month and the and the year right. And it, we're trying to share the screen and show you early. Yeah, well, that's fine. Yeah, so the early declaration. Yeah, there we go. All right, this is this is uh, sharing screen. Can you see that, Mr. Hurley? I can. All right, and you own the property at the um, north end of the blue. Is that correct? That is correct. So can we uh, scroll down to some of the slides? Okay, let's see, let's look at this one. Nope, nope, I'm sorry, go back up. Do you want the- I want the one on page two. Of, of what? <laughs> right here, early declaration. Next one, next page, next page. Here. Okay. Oops. Apologies for the technical thinking. <laughs> Doing a good job. Thank you. Um, okay, so uh, you bought in 2016, correct? That is correct. All right. And um, do you recall the uh, size of the lots that those properties are on in the HOA? Uh, if I no, I don't answer your question. No, I could spec. I could hazard a guess, but no, I don't recall the exact square footage. All right, and can we can you flip to show the size of the lots in the four lot short plan? I'm going to guess 8,500. Let's see how close I am. Oh, do you have to switch? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm close. Okay. You have to get rid of that ticket I got illegally parking at Jimmy John's during the break yesterday. Okay. So we have the four lots here that are going to be um, subdivided. And um, it looks like lot one is 9,900 feet approximately. Mm -hmm. And the other lots are um, less than 7,000 feet with one right at 7,000 feet, correct? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the difference, maybe somebody explained this to me. 
gross and net on a lot. What exactly does that mean? Does anybody know? I'm sorry. I don't think you're asking questions right now. Oh. But you can say that you don't know what that means. I don't know the difference in gross and net when it comes to a lot size. And that's perfectly understandable. You don't need to, to know that in your business. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to make fun of you if you don't know that. Um, but what we're saying here is um, these four lots are coming in and based on a sign submitted or placed in front of your properties by the developer, what did you see that they were going to do with these lots? Oh, uh, hold on. We didn't talk about that in his testimony at all. We're, we're, we agreed yesterday that when we are doing this, we don't have to stay on direct. I recall making that uh, statement with respect to the city's uh, witnesses because they said I was going to call them. Oh, it applies uh, to you and not to me? Well, I, I, had, I had raised the issue <laughs> specifically with respect to your witnesses. This is just a new issue. Hearing examiner, may I examine the witness, please? Um, what is true? I mean, you didn't call Mr. Will uh, Hurley um, as part of your um, case, which was presented yesterday. He is, um, and I'm, I'm not sure where this testimony is going in terms of okay. you know, the square so footage he, of the lots. He testified extensively just now on how the density of these lots is going to increase the traffic problems. How do I know that he knows what the density of these lots is going to be unless I ask him, do you know? I'll, I'll, I'll allow the, the, the question. So Mr. Hurley, do you know what the proposed density of these lots is going to be? Uh, well, not to be dense, but I do know what the proposal is in terms of the number of dwelling units on each lot. Does that How do you know that? Well, I know it from the sign that the developer put up and from some materials that finally made their way onto the City of Kirkland website. Right. So you, you, I'm assuming when you say materials on the website that you're talking about the city's staff report on the application for a subdivision of land. I'm referring to any, any of the multitude of documents that are posted on mybuildingpermit.com. And as well as the were site. you only allowed to see those documents at the end, or could you have logged on to mybuildingpermit.com and seen these development documents at any time? Oh, hold on, hold on. Objection. What does this temporal thing have to do with anything? He said that he was made aware of it when the city finally put documents on mybuildingpermit.com, and I'm asking him. How does he use that word finally, or were the documents available the whole time? And he just didn't log on. Well, I mean, it's okay. I'm going to object that the, the question was allowed to be answered because it related to traffic impacts. Now we're bleeding into challenging him on when he knew various things. Elegant. Mr. Hurley testified quite strongly that this, he thinks the city is biased in this respect. The city started this hearing saying that it wants a full and complete record of everything, that it does not want to decide the easement issue because it can't and doesn't have authority, but that it will, in fact, provide evidence that it has complied in every other respect 
with a short plat application, which is a division of land only in this matter. It has followed the law. It has followed federal law. Okay, I'm going to object that is beyond the scope of his testimony. And it is now going beyond traffic, which is what he testified law, about. And the city is entitled to defend its application of the law. Mr. Hurley has challenged that. I don't know why he's challenged that, but the city has followed the law in every respect. And I think, let me, let me, let me interject for a second. Um, so Mr. Hurley's um, testimony was focused on traffic impacts, um, safety issues uh, for pedestrian and individuals in the neighborhood. Um, so I, I think the question should be focused on that. Um, I'll allow a little bit of leeway, but I really don't, I don't want to go too far afield of what he testified to. Mr. Early, how many vehicles are currently at your four lots in the HOA? Pretty sure I already said 14. And you're anticipating three more, is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Because some of the children in that HOA, including one of your own, are going to turn 16, correct? That is correct. And you and your friends are going to give all the 16-year-olds new vehicles to drive, is that correct? Uh, no, I haven't bought a new car for any kid. You're going to give them a vehicle to drive, is that correct? Not a new car, they're used cars. Are you going to buy yourself a new one? Um, car? Would you, sure. would you like to just answer the question or do you want to play games? Because I don't want to play games. I answered your question Ms. very Kroll, clearly. Yeah, let me interject. Ms. Kroll, I, we need to treat all witnesses with respect. Um, I, I believe the witness is attempting to answer your questions. I'm not sure it matters. Um, who owns what car and so forth at that level of detail. I think it's fair to make a rough estimate on kind of the likely cars that are expected to be in an area. So I don't want to go too far into this. What exactly what type of car are you going to buy for your kid? Because I do not think it's relevant to the decision. Mr. Hurley has testified that there are numerous cars and that his family and his neighbors intend to add to those cars. And that's fine. You can ask him uh, how, you know, how many cars he has now and how many he intends to have. That's, that's and my question was relevant, Your Honor. It was setting up my next question, which I apologize for because no one can read my mind. But in this short plat that you said you understood the plans and how many um, how many dwelling units the developer was intending to place on there. And some of those dwelling units are ADUs, correct? That is correct. And do you know the square footage maximum of an ADU in Kirkland? No idea. It is 1,200 square feet. Okay. And do you know how many people are going to move into a 1,200 square foot ADU? No idea. Do you know how many cars a person or maybe persons, we don't know, moving into an ADU are going to add to the traffic. Do I know or am I willing to speculate based on you, demographics you know, and what everybody else has? Do you know? I have no idea. I could ask you to speculate, but it would be stricken. So you don't know 
how many cars are going to be added to the system by a 1,200 square foot ADU. Is that correct? I have absolutely no idea. Do you know if any of those cars that might or might not be added to the system could be zero? Do you know if zero to additional cars are going to trespass on your property? I have no idea. Do you know if they are going to park in spots where your roads currently say no parking? I have no idea. Now, uh, Mr. Hurley, we went through the photos in your declaration. Um, and I wanted uh, to pull that up again. Okay, uh, next photo, please. Uh, next photo. All right, now, uh, Mr. Hurley, did this portion of the road in your development look like this when you bought in that development? Objection, misconstrues the photograph. Was there a blind hill when you bought in this development? Yes, there was. And you knew that, correct? I sure did. And you bought anyway? I did. And you added your own traffic, is that correct? Yes, ma'am. When the HOA was developed, you added 14 cars and your testimony is that the HOA intends to add soon potentially another three. So another 17 cars to this road that was in this condition when you bought there, correct? That is correct. And if I heard your testimony correctly, you have never contacted any of the city agencies that could help you address congestion in your neighborhood, such nope. as the traffic committee. That is correct, I have not. You have not. Do you know what that agency is comprised of at the city? Sure don't. Do you know how they work with neighborhoods and actually fix roads that neighborhoods bring to them? Nope, sure don't. Would you be interested in having this road made more safe? <laughs> sure I would, by, by not adding as many cars. That's one way to do it. Would you be interested in having it made more safe for your own children by calling the Traffic Safety Committee at the city today? Sure. We'd love to hear from you. Um, next slide. I doubt that. <clears throat> I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. Uh, was this road and this blind corner in existence when you purchased in the HOA? This road and this blind corner, like all roads and blind corners, were in existence when I purchased in the HOA. And you've added, you and your neighbors have added 14 cars I'm going to object that this is repetitive and, and pointless at this point, of course. Interrupting my question. I'm objecting to it. I, I like, I usually finish a question before there's. I know, but it, it's, it's, I'm going to object that it's repetitive. If she, I mean, maybe we can catch a summary, all the corners, all everything existed. Yes, he's added his cars. Your, your Honor, when I asked that the witness stop testifying to every single corner in his direct testimony because the point was made, you allowed him to do so. Will the city be allowed to question him about each of those slides at this time? And if we, if we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't have to. I was trying to speed things up earlier. 
I would have been happy to have agreed, like I said, but Mr. Telligen wanted him to go to every corner, so we did. And now I would like to go to every corner and ask questions. Like yeah. for instance, where in this photo is there any cars? Okay, okay, but that wasn't the question I objected to. The question was and like, was this corner in existence to the HOA? That's the question I objected to. That there is a pedestrian in danger. Where in this photo does it show that there is a car parked in an unlawful manner? Because those were the questions he was asked. He was not just asked about blind corners, Your Honor. All right, so what's the question? Yeah, if you could, I'm not, I'm not sure at this point what the question is. I'll answer is. a question. What's, I, I, I tried to speed it up by saying, yes, I was fully aware of all these blind corners. They were all here. There hasn't been any significant changes to any of these roads since I bought my home in 2016. Except for the fact that you have added 14 cars to the system and you have not asked the city to make any improvements. That is correct on both counts. I guess I have no further question, Your Honor. Okay. All right. Thank you, Ms. Kroll. So then I'll turn back. Mr. Tillagen, do you have any questions? Uh, just uh, two. Uh, Ms. Kroll asked you about the number of cars that be added. Is this area served at all by transit? Uh, the closest bus stop is a little over a mile away. Okay. Uh, Ms. Kroll asks you lots of questions about the number of cars that be generated by the ADUs, how many people were going to live there, um, how likely they were to trespass on your property. Uh, do those all sound like really good questions for the city to ask itself? Well, that's kind of the point of a, of a review, I would have thought. So yes, it does. And, and again, you have to to me, if you're going to review something, you have to make some sort of estimate, right? You can't just assume that we're going to add homes and there are going to be no cars added or because an ADU is 1,200 square feet, there's going to be zero cars. But I mean, I, you have to make an estimate of anything. So you just, so all I'm doing is making estimates. So I estimate based on the demographics of the area. I estimate based on the cost of the homes. Um, you know, I'm not sure that missing middle really counts for something that's over a million dollars. Maybe it does. I don't know. That's not for me to decide. But I'm just saying based on the demographics of the neighborhood and the people that are likely to buy these homes, they're going to have cars. They're going to have kids and kids get cars. That's that's all I was in my declaration when I came up with those numbers. That's how I came up with them. They're estimates. And those are what my estimates are based on. But to, to say that I know for sure that they're going to be that many cars. I don't know. I'm just estimating based on, like I said, demographics in the area. Thank Common you. sense. I have no further questions. All right. Uh, Mr. Gribbon, anything further? All right. Nothing further from me, but a quick housekeeping before we move on to the follow-up. Yeah. Was, Mr. Gribbon, did you want to deal with the housekeeping now or after? Um, I'll, I'll wait for the city to finish if they have additional questions. Okay. Yeah. And Ms. Kroll? Okay, so um, Mr. Hurley, were you uh, listening yesterday when the city talked about um, consulting with the traffic engineer and determining how many trips would be triggered by the new development? I was, and it was, I actually even wrote down where he said he thought that it would trigger eight round trips and uh, I almost fell out of my chair. Okay, and so uh, you are not a traffic engineer, is that correct? Not by a long shot. Okay, and the eight round trips were eight p.m. peak hour trips. Do you know what that means? 
I have no idea. I'm not a traffic engineer. Do you know what the standard is for regulating whether an amount of trips in published and recorded documents that traffic engineers must follow? Do you know how to read those and determine how to count trips that trigger review? That's a long question. I, I think the correct answer is, I don't know, but I would, I would assume, if you'll allow me to assume, just based on kind of some common sense that if you looked at all of the development in the area kind of as a whole and applied that whatever standard you're applying to it, you might come up with a different answer. But but I don't know the specific answer because I'm not a traffic engineer. And and um, you don't know the answer, but you said that we should look at the traffic area as a whole, correct? Yeah, when I say as a whole, I'm talking about all the development that's underway as a whole. Look at the entire area. Okay, and, and but you are not aware of the treatises and requirements of law that define how the city can do that, are you? Uh, absolutely not. Do you think that the traffic engineer was wrong when he's you when he relied on those regulations oh. and determined what? that there were eight peak hour PM trips? If I don't know the regulations, I'm not sure how I could rely on them. I'm sorry. Did you interrupt me? I didn't hear your question, your answer. Uh, I tried to answer. I thought you were finished. I apologize. I had, a, I had a beep here, but I don't know how to answer your question if I don't know the treatise that you referred to. So I don't know how to answer that question. So you 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 don't know that he's wrong. You can't say he's wrong. Didn't say he was wrong. I just said I almost fell out of my chair when he said eight round trips. Common sense. That makes no sense to me. But so I when you no say idea. you almost fell out of your chair, does that mean you disagree? It sounded incredibly low. Yes. To answer your question, yes. You, you would disagree, but you don't have training or education to dispute that that was the correct number. No, I'm entitled to an opinion, though. It's not an opinion. It's a regulation, sir. And I already told you I don't know the regulation. I'm just let, let me <laughs> let me just interject. I mean, Mr. Hurley is speaking as a lay witness. He's speaking as to his expertise. He's not speaking as an expert traffic engineer. I think we all understand that. And do you know what the growth targets are for the city of Kirkland uh, as mandated on them by the Puget Sound Regional Council? Objection. This is, this is Irrelevant. <laughs> This is getting a little, this is getting beyond scope. And we're, we're not dealing with an expert witness on, with respect to traffic here. Uh, this is a lay witness, so. Can I try to answer? Is that okay if I try to No, Mike, <laughs> let's be done. Okay, be I'm done. happy to be done, but. <laughs> Your Honor, I'm trying to establish that he isn't an expertise in these areas, but he continues to claim that he does know information. Well, but if, right, if but there's we an- all agree he's not an expert, then we can all agree he's not an expert. I, I've already, he's not been qualified as an expert. He's speaking as a lay witness. I think that's been understand, understood from the get-go, so. If Mr. Gibbon, Gribben has further questions, I'm done. Okay, thank you, Ms. Kroll. So no, thanks for my parking ticket from yesterday is not gonna get wiped off. I'm gonna have to pay back. <laughs> Well, no, no quid pro quo. Can't, can't <laughs> <have> <laughs> 
I, I have nothing further either. I, I, yeah, nothing further. Okay. And then, Mr. Gribben, you had, a, I think, a procedural or something to... Yeah, so I just wanted to address our, our next witness that we, we um, had lined up. It's somebody from uh, the North Shore Utility District. But since Mr. Telligen did not elicit any testimony on the appeal issue 10, yeah. he, I, you know, I would just ask if he would withdraw it or perhaps ask for a directed verdict since there was no evidence or testimony on that issue. Um, I, I can cut you off, Brandon. We, we don't need to talk about those. We're not we're going to drop the issues about the crossing the uh, HOAs. Um, OK, the HOAs driveway for those particular ut utilities. OK, great. So just to confirm, uh, 10C is withdrawn. Uh, well, let me look at exactly. Sure. It, yes. Yes, 10C was just the one line uh, about uh, uh, digging up portions of the private roadway of the owned by the H, by the Overlook HOA. Yes, we're dropping that. That's fine. Okay, great. Um, so we won't need to call him. I think we will just have two witnesses, so I'm confident that we will certainly be able to uh, finish today. Famous last one. Did, did you say? Did you say two witnesses? I think just two witnesses. Okay. Well, great. Should we take? Uh, well, I guess we'll, I won't jump in. I did to get a chance. We didn't close off with Mr. Hurley. Thank you for your testimony. I think he's been withdrawn as a as a panelist, but oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> usually you do that formality. So, but um, back on. It looks like 10C is withdrawn. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. All right. So I think Mr. Telligen, we've completed your witnesses. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, so then Mr. Gribben, what's, well, it's actually, what time is it? A quarter after 12, um, what would the parties like to do? And Mr. Gribben, you said, I think at this point, you've, you're down to three witnesses or two? I, um, Just two. Yeah, and then for, for Mr. Telligen on, on the emails, there are, um, I just finished looking at the last one. So there's maybe 10 emails. Most of them are just the same email string and most of them should have been from, from the city that you have. I'll go ahead and send those to you now. Um, it shouldn't take long to review. Uh, and yeah, I, th I think that was it for us. Like I said, we have two witnesses. Uh, one should not take that much time and then the applicant. But again, a lot of the you know, grounds already been covered. So I'll try and be judicious okay. with my questions. Okay, so it sounds like there's a good chance we actually will finish today. That's good. Um, so did you all want to take this quarter after, do you all want to take a lunch break and then move into the last two witnesses? Yeah, I would like yes, that. that would be great. Okay. All right. So 1218, we will reconvene at 118 as usual, keep signed in, but you can log off on the audio and the video. So thank you, thank you all. We're adjourned for lunch. Thank you. All right. We are back on the record after the lunch hour in the Finhill 8 Short Platte Appeal. Um, let's see, I received over the lunch break an email from Mr. Tilligen, which transmitted the slides from the last two witnesses, Mr. Hurley and Ms. Justina, and then also the property tax exhibit from Ms. Justina's testimony. Um, absent objection, those are admitted. I did note uh, there, was, there was an email from Ms. Kroll about uh, duplication. Um, but it's, it's, it is helpful for me to have those, uh, um, those PDFs um, of the slides just because they're in the order of the testimony. So um, absent objection, I am going to admit those. No objection. Okay. All right. Yes, Ms. Kroll. No objection. No objection. Okay. okay. All right. So I think, Mr. Gribben, you have two witnesses. Who was going to be your first one? 
so the first one will be Terrence Wilson. Uh, to my understanding, he's in the um, public arena and he should be raising his hand right now. Okay, if we can uh, elevate Mr. Wilson to panelist. Hello, Mr. Wilson. Looks like he needs to, and there we go. Uh, good afternoon. Get my settings right. Hello, Madam Hearing Examiner. Good, good afternoon. Um, if you could state your name for the record. Uh, my name is Terrence Wilson. And you swear from to tell the truth under penalty of perjury under the laws of the state of Washington? I do. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mr. Wilson. Uh, can you tell us what you do for a living? Uh, yes, I'm a real estate attorney. And, and how long have you been an attorney? Uh, since 2005. And, and what did you do before that? I owned and operated a land surveying company from 1996 to 2011, um, the last 10 years of which I was the owner. Okay. And do you have a, a relationship with Legacy? I do. And, and what is that relationship? Uh, Legacy and the various folks that work there are um, clients of ours that we work on a lot of the infill development over the years that have gone on with townhomes, condos, uh, subdivisions, and various types of infill development generally. Yeah. And, and did you have any involvement with, with this project, the uh, short plat at 8230 Northeast 117th? I have. I've had um, quite a bit of interaction on this project. Okay. And uh, you might have heard some of the testimony earlier, but did you have any conversations with a Ron Cooper? I did. And could you tell us how it came about that you spoke with him the first time? Um, yes, Legacy had passed on to me um, a message they had received from him reaching out um, to discuss the project and particularly the access area um, at issue. And so I... Uh, reached out to Mr. Cooper, and he also has reached out to me. We've had three different calls, uh, one in May of 2022, one in July of 2022, and most recently in January of this year. Okay, and what did you understand his relationship to, uh, to, to the property or Miss Justina to be? Well, at the time he had indicated, he said, I'm an attorney from Chicago and I represent the trust. So I took that to mean that he was the attorney for the trust. Now, I've been in, in the background here listening, so I understand I may have misunderstood that he was just saying he was an attorney from Chicago, not that he actually was counsel for the trust. Yeah. And, and can you just describe the, the substance of, I think, the three conversations that you had with him? They were all essentially the same thing. Each time there was concern about whether the hedge was gonna be removed, um, why we thought we had rights to the 15 foot area uh, on the west side of the Justina property. Uh, each time I explained the 1984 easement and each time I explained that it was our understanding from our title documents and easements that uh, that was going to be a, a valid source of ingress, egress and utilities to the subject result. Okay. And did you ever have any written communications with Mr. Cooper? Nope. Each time we had the verbal discussions on those three occasions, he took the information I gave and said he'd get back to me if need be. Okay. Any other writings regarding your conversations with him? No. Uh, th that's all the questions that I have for this witness. Thank you. Okay. Um, I guess we would go. Would we go Ms. Kroll or Ms. Mr. Telligen? 
Um, the city does not have any questions for this witness. Thank you. Okay, uh, so Mr. Telligen then. You're mute. Oh yeah, you're, you're muted, Mr. Telligen. There you go. Oh, Mr. Wilson, is it Terrence with an E-R or an A-R? It's T-E-R-R-A-N-C-E. Uh-huh, okay. And so you said Rob Cooper had reached out to Legacy? My understanding from Legacy on the first occasion, which was May of 2022, is that he had reached out to them as applicant. They forwarded the um, request to discuss the matter um, to me as their part of their council that re that deals with their uh, entitlement process. So, so that was that was a message passed on me from Legacy before I reached out to him. And was that message in writing to you? I mean, was did they was it was it conveying a written message from Rob? I'm going to object to the extent it calls for any uh, privileged communications between Mr. Wilson and Legacy. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm asking about the communication between Rob and Legacy. Were you given a written communication between Rob and Legacy? No, I was given no written communications, just a request that I reach out to Mr. Cooper. I see. Um, and in your conversations with Mr. Cooper, you told him you said I'm sorry, you you had conversation with Mr. Cooper about use of the easement? Correct. Uh-huh. What did you tell him? I told him that we had a 1984 easement for ingress, egress, and utilities, as was depicted on the face of the proposed short subdivision, and that we intended to use that area. Uh-huh. And what was his response to that? Uh, he would get back to me if he had further questions about it. He, he did make known to me that he didn't um, um, want us developing on his property. Uh huh. He referred to it as his, as his property. Uh, well, he said he represented the trust. So I guess when we say his property, I don't mean him individually. I took it to mean that there was a trust that owned the property. He was in representation as counsel for the, the trust. And so when I say his property, I took it to mean the property he was representing. Um, but I thought you said a moment ago that you might have been mistaken about that, about him actually representing the trust. No, I, I think now in hindsight, after hearing further testimony, just sitting in the in in the audience, that that uh, him saying I am a, I am an attorney from from Chicago and I represent the trust. I took that maybe because I'm an attorney to mean that he represents as a legal counsel for the trust. But maybe in hindsight now he meant I represent the trust and means I, I'm hearing more now that he's the husband of, of uh, Ms. Justina. I didn't know that. Um, so now I don't know what represent the trust means. Uh, I thought at the time, based on what he said, I took it to mean he was counsel for the trust. Uh, but he used those words, represent the trust. He said, I represent the trust. Those were his exact words. I represent the trust. I'm an attorney from Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, did he tell you to contact his wife, Irene Justina? He never mentioned her. And what were why what were the three what were the occasions of the three different conversations? There was May, July, and January of 2022. The May one uh, you had said was uh, because you had been given sort of directions from your client that he had reached out. What about the July one? How did that come about? He phoned me on the July and uh, I believe also on the January one. So there was uh, phone calls made from him to me 
on those two occasions. The first one, I reached out to him in May because I was told that he had contacted Legacy and they asked for me to reach out to him. So he told you that he had called Legacy and they told you, call my lawyer. No, Legacy told me that he had reached out to them and they would like for me to reach out to him. So I don't know if he had left a message for them or what happened, but they told me to please call Mr. Cooper. He had contacted them and they they would like me to call and find out what he wanted to discuss. But I thought in July and January, not to be true, not trying to, I, I thought that he called you on those two occasions. He did on those two occasions. He called me because at that point we had spoken in May. And so he had my number and we had, we had had our initial discussion in May. Okay, based on which, the message I had been given from Legacy, and then the two pre the two subsequent conversations in July and January, he phoned me. Okay, directly. so what so what was the topic of conversation in July? There were all three of the exact same conversations each time, other than maybe the one in May. The sign had been put up, and there was concern that there was actually some trimming of the hedge that had gone on in order to put the sign up. And he was questioning why we had done that. And I explained the 1984 easement, the short plots, use of ingress, egress, utilities, so forth. And so the other two conversations were pretty much identical to the to the first one, other than um, um, the first one may have had um, some in, uh, uh, relevance to the sign being placed, which at the second conversation and third, we didn't talk about the sign. Okay. Um but if the content was the same, so he was just calling you each time to, I guess, get the same information or say the same things? Yep. Essentially, I think different stages of the project, he was getting information about when, what the timing was and and that our, was our position still that we had a right to be on his property. Yes, it is. That sort of thing. But it was essentially the same discussions about the use of the hedge, the easement, the driveway, the stage of the project, where it was at, those kinds of things. Okay. At any point during those three phone calls, uh, did Rob or Ron tell you that he believed the easement had been abandoned? I never heard those words. Mm -hmm. uh, did he talk to you at all about Christopher Hatch? Mm -hmm. Did he say anything about what Christopher Hatch, well, I guess so. So he didn't mention anything about Christopher Hatch whatsoever. Did he talk about the prior owner at all before, um, I guess, I think WDK Wozniak owns it, but before that entity and your client got involved. Oh, and, and Mr. Wilson, could you verbalize? I don't know if those last two answers made it into the record. The city had the same concern that uh, Mr. Wilson was uh, making uh, movements with his head, but I don't think he said yes or no. Would you mind refreshing then uh, if, if you're waiting for an answer, if you could rephrase the question for me, please. Yeah, no problem. Um, I, I want to know if Mr. Uh, Cooper had uh, mentioned anything at all about the the owner prior to WDK Wozniak or Legacy Group Capital. No. Okay. Uh, I think that's it. Thank you so much, Mr. Wilson. Thank you. Uh, anything further, Mr. Gribben? I think I have maybe three questions, uh, Mr. Wilson, so I'll keep it brief. Uh, first one, um, is it true that you said that Mr. Cooper did not tell you he was married to Ms. Justina? I don't remember him mentioning her name other than the name of the trust is the Gustina trust. So that in that capacity, I heard about the trust name, but I don't recall any comments about her individually. 
Okay. And did he ever tell you that he lived at the 8300 uh, property? No. And if a if since the trust was represented or to your understanding was represented at the time of the conversation, would you ever have a direct communication with the beneficiary of that trust? No, all of my communications with would have been who I thought was counsel for the trust. Uh, that that's all I have. Thank you, Mr. Wilson. Okay. Anything further, Mr. Telligen? No, that's it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your testimony this afternoon, Mr. Wilson. Thank you, Madam Hearing Examiner. And Mr. Gribben, I believe you have one last witness. I do. So final witness, uh, Ms. Mora Hoyan. Good afternoon, Ms. Hoyan. If you could state your name for the record. Mora Hoyan. And you swear from to tell the truth under penalty of perjury under the laws of the state of Washington? I do. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Hearing Examiner. Uh, Ms. Hoyan, is, is this your first time testifying? Yes. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your, your work experience in, in the real estate industry? Sure. I have been in land development for 20 years in multiple capacities, including real estate broker, uh, planning coordinator for a civil engineering firm, and my position now, which is project manager and entitlement manager lead uh, for, for our entitlement department at Legacy Group Capital. Okay. And I guess just focusing on your experience with, with Legacy, I'm sorry, is it, is it Group Capital or Capital Group? It's Group Capital. Legacy Group Capital. Yes. Um, what do you do as a project manager there? I review projects as they come in for feasibility studies. I act as a, a team lead. Uh, for our team uh, while we're processing applications through multiple jurisdictions, including Kirkland. So is it accurate to say that once a property is purchased, that's where you come in to help with getting the permits and approvals necessary to build the property? Correct. And for this short plat, can you describe your involvement just generally with this project? Sure. I participated in the feasibility study, uh, reviewed the title report and subsequent documents when they came in uh, into, I guess, my arena and uh, reviewed the site plans prepared by our, by our acquisitions department. I uh, researched the adjacent flats um, to confirm that we had proper use for utilities and ingress, egress. Um, I, I basically reviewed documents provided by professionals that we had hired to prepare them. Okay. So you reviewed um, to have a report for the subject property? Correct. And did you review one for, again, it's been subdivided, but I'll refer to it as the HOA property? Yes. And did you also review one for the Justina property? I did later on in the process. Now, can you describe the process for determining the number of lots? Sure. You basically take the amount of land and uh, come up with an acreage equation and then multiply that by the number of units you can have in an acre. And what was the number? It was four. And were you involved in determining what could be built on each of the four parcels? We did code research to determine that a single family ADU and detached accessory dwelling unit could be on each lot. 
Okay. So you said single family ADU and a DADU. So assuming that you would also have the single family home as well? Correct. And we've talked about how this might be subject to change, but currently what is being proposed for each lot? One single family residence and one detached dwelling unit. Okay. So accessory dwelling units. Uh, so you're proposing at least at this point two, but the code would allow you to build three. Correct. And did you receive any correction notices from the city on how many units you could build? No. So is it fair to say the city was in, in agreement with your analysis on the Kirkland Code? Yes. Just give me one second here. So did you fill out the, well, uh, let me back up a little bit. Are you familiar with the city's uh, short plat checklist? Yes. And is this that document on your screen right here? Yes. And did you, uh, were you the one that completed the application for the short plan? Uh, our civil engineer, uh, David O Consulting Group completed the application. Uh, at our instruction, uh, we went through the checklist, provided them all of the information on all of these items, and they uploaded the subdivision uh, request. Okay. And, and one of those items that we had talked about earlier with the, with the city, I believe, this had to do with reports, a title company certification, uh, which is not more than 30 days old, containing legal description, easements, and other information. Correct. And was that title report provided? Yes. Um, and here I'm showing you, uh, if you see in the top left, it says subdivision. Yes. Is this the title report, uh, to the best of your knowledge, that was provided to the yes. city? I see Eric Ward's name there. Yes. Now scrolling down, uh, the number two here, uh, is this the 1984 easement that has been talked about during this appeal? Yes. Uh, Mr. Gribben, do you mind if I see the date on the lower right-hand corner when the printed date? Uh, I'm sorry, on what corner? Uh, the lower right-hand corner. There it's are... one, one three is the date, I believe, that he's speaking of. Brandon, if you want to scroll down just a little. one three twenty two. Yeah. one All right. Thank you. And uh, I assume, did you review this title report? I did. Okay. And does the 2005 lot boundary adjustment show up on this title report? Not, oh, yeah, I see it there. Okay. Yes. Now, does the 2005 quick claim deed that was talked about where the grantor was hatched, does that show up on the title no. report? Were you aware of that 2005 deed before this appeal proceeding? No. Did you see any document in this title report that purported to either affect or terminate or affect the 1984 easement in any manner? No. 
Okay, I'm going to pull up the uh, first review comment that I'm sure you've seen a couple of times during this hearing. And going down to item two on the access easement, uh, did you receive this comment from the city? Yes. Okay. And what did you do in response to this comment? I emailed Martha asking her what she was looking for with regards to this comment. And if an access, if it was just the copy of the easement, which she confirmed it was. Okay. And did you provide subsequently provide a copy of the 1984 easement? Yes. And then another document that we've talked about um, during this hearing, uh, again, focusing on number two, you have the comment that we just looked at, and then uh, it says engineer's response. Is this a response after you submitted the 1984 easement? Correct. Now, do you recall when that was provided? There's probably a date on that. I think it was at, it was the first correction response. Okay. And after the notice of application or complete application. And did the uh, city request any additional information on that 1984 easement during the rest of the permit review? No, not that I recall. Did they ever indicate to you that they did not believe that easement was valid? No. Did you also have to provide a current survey as part of the application process? Yes. Okay, Here, here's another document that we have seen during this hearing. It is a terrain survey from looks like 2021. Is this the survey that was provided to the city? Yes. Okay. And scrolling in here, is this the 1984, we've been referring to it as an access easement, but it also provides, provides for utilities and a height restriction covenant, correct? Correct. Okay. And that's identified in yellow on this survey? Correct. And just to make sure we're on the same page. Is, is this the 1984 easement that we've yes. been talking about? And is, is it your understanding that this uh, benefits the applicant's property? Correct. Have you been involved with other short plat applications in the city of Kirkland? Yes. And the process, have you been in, involved in similar short plats where there was an easement um, that the city required? Yes. And was the process for determining the validity, validity of the easement similar to the process in this matter? Yes. Now, you mentioned you had looked at title for the HOA property. Is that accurate? Correct. Okay. And 
And is this the title report for the, I think I referred to it as the 8226, but there's different addresses, but basically the HOA property before it was subdivided. So I, this title report specifically, I pulled when the appeal uh, was filed. Um, there was a number of, of documents that I worked on uh, researching during our feasibility study that may not have been in the form of a title report specifically. Okay. And does the 1984 easement show up on the HOA property? No. Well? I also checked the uh, short plat, the recorded short plat, which it was also not referenced on. And you mentioned you also had a title report for the Justina property. Yes, I purchased or I, I ordered that as soon as the appeal was filed. Okay. Is this the title report yes. for the Justina property? And does the 1984 easement show up on title to this property? Yes. Okay, and that's this document right here? Correct. Did you see any document on title to the 8300 property that indicated that the easement had been terminated or affected in any manner? No. Was a traffic study required for this project? No. And why not? Because we did not trigger traffic concurrency for the city's requirements. And again, the, the development we've talked about is, is not finalized at this point, but um, assuming that you move forward with one single family home, one detached accessory dwelling unit for each lot, what are the parking requirements for each lot? Each lot requires two parking stalls. And is that two parking stalls total? Yes. Okay. Um, and what is being proposed at this point in time? At this point, we are proposing three parking stalls per lot. Okay, so three total per, per lot. lot. Okay. Correct. And are those broken up in any way? Uh, the the single family has an attached garage and the detached accessory dwelling unit has a surface stall. Okay. Is there room for any additional parking on the lots? Yes, there is a 20 by 20 foot pad that is required um, to be outside of the single family garage to allow for overflow parking, as I understand it. Uh, there's also been some conversation that you heard about dedication of referring to yes. it as the applicant's property. Is it your understanding, is the city requiring dedication of any of the property owned by uh, the Justina Trust, including that 15-foot easement? No. No. Did the city um, ever require that you obtain Ms. Justina's signature on the application? No. 
did it ever require that you get her approval uh, for the short plot? No. Is it your understanding that the short plot will subdivide her property in any manner? No. Well, thank you for the time, Ms. Hoyt. Those are the only questions I have for, for right now. Okay, so we'll turn then to, um, I guess, Ms. Ms. Kroll, do you have any questions for Ms. Halkian? As, as far as I know, I only have um, one area in which I want to ask Ms. Hoyan a question. And as I say in your name correctly, Ms. Hoyan? Yes, thank you. Okay, I, I apologize. I it's okay. It's, it's <laughs> difficult to pronounce. It's, a, it's um, Irish? It is, yes. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, I'm Stephanie Kroll, the Senior Assistant City Attorney for Kirkland. And um, I wanted to uh, confirm uh, a statement you made that um, you were agreeing with your counsel when he said that the city has approved the dwelling units that you are proposing on the property. I and, Go ahead. I believe he was just referencing the amount of lots that was proposed by the short plot. That's what I understood that question to mean. Okay, so um, have you actually submitted any building permits to construct um, dwelling units on the lots? Yes, we have applied for one building permit um, for a single family and detached dwelling unit. And has that, been, has that been approved by the city? Oh, no, we're working on corrections. Okay. Currently. So currently the city has, has not approved construction of any dwelling units. Correct. Thank you. I have no further questions. All right, Mr. Tillogen. Yeah, I have a, a rebuttal witness to Mr. Wilson uh, and he's very time constrained. I'm trying to chat with him right now. Um, I don't know if we can, if he's about to get back to me, if he, I could call him out of order at some point, if I don't get done with Miss Hoyan, but I don't expect I'll take long, but just to alert you. Okay. Um, good afternoon, Miss Hoyan. Hello. Uh, uh, so it's a, it's a day, it's a couple of days of firsts, as it were. Yes. Um, I have sat in on a lot, but never yeah. participated. Yeah. Um, did you ever speak with Mr. Hash? No. Mm. Uh, did your company ever reach out to him after it received this appeal? Not that I'm aware of. And, and I would just object, object as outside the scope of direct. Mm. Well, I mean, she looked at title reports. I don't know if she checked any other ways. Um, let's see. Oh, I have to get my notes here. <clears throat> I just muted myself instinctively. I don't know if she gave an answer <laughs> that nobody heard, but no. Okay. Thank you. Uh, just one second here. Applicant service. Did you do any investigation into the current existence of the easement besides reviewing the title reports that you mentioned? No, not until I received the additional information that was provided uh, in your claim. Uh, that's when I uh, went to our land use attorney, Terry Wilson. And and, and just so we're clear, Ms. Wayne, uh, don't talk about any actual communication. Yeah. yeah. 
but that is that's when I reached out to the professionals that can advise me on what my next steps would be. Okay. Uh, my rebuttal witness is available now. Do you mind if we hop on for him? If he can join, there should be a Mr. Rob Cooper joining. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I, yep. Any objections to that or? No objection. And I'm sorry. I know this is out of order, but. Um, no, that, that's <laughs> fine. So Ms. Howian, um, we're, we're going to discontinue your testimony. We'll yes. come back to you. Um, you. And then we'll call um, Mr. I'm sorry, your rebuttal witnesses. Uh, his name is Rob Cooper. He was referenced to Mr. Wilson's oh. testimony. Okay. Uh, he I just sent him an email to please join Zoom. Who, who? His last name is Cooper. Do we know his first name? We do. Rob. I Rob. Think. We can go ahead and bring uh, Mr. Cooper up as a panelist. I'm sorry, Madam Hearing Examiner. I do not see a Rob Cooper in our attendees. He should be momentarily. Okay, I'll keep an eye out. Does he have the correct link and all that? I know there was... I sent him the hearing agenda, which was the link for yesterday, and I believe it's the same link for today. I think it should be, because I think the city... That's correct. what I used. I, I know I used the same PDF document. Okay, and it worked for you, yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. Sorry, I just spoke with him. He said he's having he's been clicking on the link, but it's not working. I told him he could call in, but he said he's trying to solve it on his end. Okay. There is the ability to go to the city's hearing examiner website. I believe the link is live. Um, I'll try to dig up a link and send it to you, uh, Mr. Telligent. Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Salupo. And I would add, I think there's also a meeting ID. So if the link's not working, you can just go to Zoom and then plug in the meeting ID that would take you to the meeting. Uh, let's see here. 
Is it the Kirkland Hearing Examiner webpage? Yeah, yeah. there should be a like an agenda, I think. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Were you able to find it? Do you need me to send you anything? Uh, no, I found the website. I'm going to email that to him as well. And I'm assuming that is the city, because on, on my end, I can't see anybody except for the panelists. Okay, um, Madam Hearing Examiner, he has joined now, so give me just a second, I will promote him over as a panelist. Ah. The number of panelists just dropped. I thought it was at 17 or participants. Was it seven? Is it 17 now? Was it, I thought I saw it at 18. I wonder if he accidentally dropped off. Yes, um, he was promoted over as a panelist and it seemed like um, he must have had some sort of technical difficulty. Um, he must have um, exited the, the meeting. Okay, well, he may be trying to re-sign on then. I've joined.
Uh, he thought he was in. Uh, so I told him oh, that he's in. To... He's in. No, We've got eighteen now. So let's can we oh. transfer him over? Hopefully we don't lose him. Uh, oh, he's like oh, there he's, he is. All right. On my end. Mr. Cooper, if you could unmute yourself. Um, and if you wish to use video, um, I don't know what the, that box is, but uh, I don't know if we have to do anything on our end to make sure he's unmuted. Oh, there he goes. I can see you, but I can't uh, see anybody else. Oh, okay. You, uh, so for some reason, Mr. Cooper can only see me. That's. Uh... Uh, can you see me when I speak, Rob? I can. Okay, so in the upper right-hand corner of your uh, screen, there is an icon that says view, and you can set actually, it to either speaker or gallery. So you'll want to set actually, that to gallery. Actually, there is not. Uh, I'm on my handheld. Oh, I see. Okay. okay. But you can at least see me when I speak, correct? I can. Okay. We can hear you, Mr. Cooper, just fine. I can't see you, and that's fine either way. I don't know if you're able to um, change that or not, but uh, up to you or... I, I would like to, but I can't. Like I said, okay. I'm on my handheld. You interrupted a hike. So. <laughs> oh, you're on a hike. Oh, okay. I was, <laughs> but that's okay. Sorry about that. Um, so, all right, Mr. Cooper, if you could state your name for the record. George Rob Cooper. And you swear or affirm to tell the truth under penalty of perjury under the laws of the state of Washington? I do indeed. Thank you. Hi, Rob. Uh, this is Brian Telligen. Um, so uh, I'm the one who interrupted your hike. Uh, I interjected you as a as a rebuttal witness. Um, can you tell me, first of all, uh, your relationship to Irene Justina? I am her husband. Mm -hmm. Although we don't you... say that in a politically correct world. Mm -hmm. and, and what do you do for a living, sir? I'm an attorney. Mm-hmm. And uh, where do you practice? In Illinois. Uh, doing what topic? I specialize in education law. Okay. So you have not been listening to the proceedings in this matter, uh, at least not today, correct? That is correct. Okay. Uh, well, about a half hour ago, uh, we heard testimony uh, from a real estate attorney named Terrence Wilson. And I'm gonna do my best to you uh, to relay some things that he said uh, in I'm ho hopefully the most accurate way possible. And I'd like to get your reaction to those things, okay? May I ask a question? Of course. Do we have, do we have a court reporter? Can you read to me? I cannot. So this is being recorded uh, audio and visual, but we do not actually have a transcript. Okay, thank you. Yes. Uh, so Mr. Wilson, is a real estate attorney who works for, uh, or who one of whose one of his clients is Legacy Group Capital, uh, which is the applicant uh, for the development project going in north of uh, Irene's property in Kirkland. Uh, he said he has spoken with you uh, over the phone on three occasions. Uh, the first was May of 2022. Uh, and he indicated that at that time he had called you because he had been told by his client that you had reached out to Legacy Group Capital 
and that at that time he disclosed to you that the applicant intended to use the easement across Irene's property. Do you recall that conversation? I recall a conversation. I recall uh, an uninitiated call from me identifying himself as the real estate attorney, not the litigation attorney, uh, uh, regarding the property. And I don't recall at that point talking with him about an easement for the property. Okay. I, we, I, I can't recall. I, I didn't keep notes. I think I was in my car at the time. I see. And, uh, and I believe that I had contacted, uh, there was a sign that had been placed on the property where they took out a good part of the hedge and encroached over the property line when they did so. And so I called that number to say, to complain about that. I see. Okay. So you were, you were calling to complain about the hedge. Yes. The destruction. I see. Um, during the course of this phone call, did you hold yourself out to be an attorney for the trust uh, that is the legal owner of Irene's property? Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, moving forward. Uh, in, in, let me clarify. In fact, I am not. I have never held myself out to be. Very good, sir. Um, moving on, Mr. Wilson uh, recalls you calling him in July of 2022 and in January of 2022. And I had asked him about the content of those conversations. Um, I will admit I wasn't uh, 100% clear, but I do believe he testified that A, on both of those, of those occasions, you called him and B, on both of those occasions, uh, he spoke with you about the developer's intent to use the easement across Irene's property. Do you have a comment I, on that? I, I have a couple, please. Yes. I can't recall if he called me on July. I can check my, or we talked on July. I can check my phone records perhaps, but I don't recall that. Um, but I did not, I can tell you that absolutely I never called him. I never initiated a call to him with absolute certainty. I have retained a voicemail that he left for me in January of 23. Uh, and I, I listened to that before I, I called you back or before I came. And in that he said, uh, well, I, I'm wondering if uh, we, I can run out and see you and show you exactly what's going to happen, maybe even this weekend. I, and I, I, was I, would, I would just object to the best evidence rule here. I mean, if he has the voicemail and wants to play it, but uh, I think that's is on. accurate evidence. This is on short notice. If he can get it to me, I'd be happy to give it to, to, to everybody here. And this is not a best evidence rule question either. If I may continue. Yes, sir. He said he wanted to know if he could come. And I said, no, I was leaving town. And at that point, I told him, you need to know that I know that Irene and Eric, her former husband, had trade, had given... Chris Hatch, the owner, and I can't remember if I used Chris Hatch's name, but I said the, the previous owner, property in exchange for him giving up his easement. I know that it is recorded, and I advise you to do your homework 
and check before you go any further. Danny, do you recall if he had a response to that? I'm not aware of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I didn't feel it's my job to go any further. I knew it was recorded. Do your due diligence. Very good. Uh, you uh, you do not have a property interest in Irene's in, in, in Irene's property, correct? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. uh, did you relay these messages to Irene, or what did you tell her about this? I can't remember verbatim. With all due regard, I didn't save a recording, but I recall as, as I recall, it was the substance of what I just related to you. Mm -hmm. Do you uh, did you tell Mr. Wilson that perhaps he should? call Irene or contact Irene if you wanted to speak to the property owner? I did not. He did not ask. Hmm. Okay. I have no further questions. Thank you very much, Mr. Cooper. Okay. Um, Mr. Mr. Griffin, do you have any questions? Yes, I have a, a few follow-up questions, uh, Mr. Cooper. You I, I, uh, uh, you might want to introduce yourself. He, does, oh, he yeah, hasn't been, he oh, hasn't been following. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Cooper, this is Brandon Gribben. I represent the applicant. Uh, it sounds like you've been hiking today and have not been watching the hearing. Were, were you watching the hearing yesterday at all? I watched portions of it, but not much. I still have a practice. Okay. Now, you mentioned that you do recall receiving a, a phone call from Mr. Wilson in May of 2022. Is that correct? I don't recall the exact date, but I believe so. Okay. But I'm referring to the... What? the I got an initial phone call from him. It may be May of 22. It was early on in the proceeding. About a year ago. Is that a fair statement? I, I, I cross it. Let me finish. I cross-examine people for a living as well. So it's not inaccurate, but I think that's a good guess. It may have been a little more than a year ago. Okay. And you said that the phone call um, was not about the easement. Is that correct? I believe he recalled him. I think I said he introduced himself as the real estate attorney, not the uh, uh, litigation attorney for the developer. Okay, but but the phone call you said he did, he did not mention the easement during that initial call. I don't believe that he did. I okay. can't recall with certainty. What what was the purpose of that phone call? Do you recall? You would have to ask him. He initiated it. Do, do you and I re And I returned it. Do you recall the substance of that conversation? Not much beyond what I have spoken about. Okay, and did uh, Mr. Wilson tell you at any point? that the applicant had a right to remove the hedges? At that point- Just real quick, let me finish. In that 1984 easement area? Would you repeat the question? Sure. Did, did Ms., first of all, do you understand the 1984 easement area to be the Western 15 feet of the Justina property? I cannot speak with any certainty about that. I have not studied that. I don't know if it's east, west, north, or south. I know that there was an easement that he gave up in order to get his 15-foot private drive. And so I can't, I believe that it was west, but I don't know. If you give me a document, I can ascertain. 
Did Mr. Wilson tell you at any point that the applicant had a right to remove that hedge where the sign had been installed? Repeat that again, because I'm trying to think, please. At any point, did Mr. Wilson tell you that the applicant had a right to remove that hedge where the sign had been installed? I don't believe he ever said that. Okay. Now, when you spoke to Mr. Wilson, do you recall telling him that you were an attorney uh, from Chicago? Um, I may have told him I was an attorney. I don't know if I identified Chicago, but I, I usually do. Okay, so it's likely that you did tell him that you were an attorney. Uh, quite likely. Now, I just want to make sure that I understand. Um, you, you had referenced informing Mr. Wilson that he needed to do his due diligence and research. And you told him that as early as, as this year, back in January. Is that correct? I believe it was January of 23. Yeah. Of 23. Okay. So, so you, you previously testified that in January of 23, you said you received a voicemail from Mr. Wilson. So is it correct that you returned that voicemail? I, re just I did. I called him back. Okay. I, but I never initiated the call. It was in response to his voicemail. I don't have any further questions for this witness. Okay. Uh, Ms. Kroll and Mr. Cooper, Ms. Kroll is the attorney for the city of Kirkland. Hello, Mr. Cooper. My name is Stephanie Kroll. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, not very well, but I can hear you. All right. I am the senior assistant city attorney for the city of Kirkland. And um, if, if I understood your testimony correctly, you said that you did share with your wife, Irene Gestina, Justina, the, the fact that you spoke with Mr. Wilson about the easement and that he thought they had a right to use the easement in the short plat development. That was not my testimony. My testimony was that I re, uh, uh, told Irene that I had told him that he, uh, there was uh, a recorded uh, a recording of the property swap that she had done with uh, Mr. Hatch. That was my testimony. And why would you tell her that if if you didn't if she if she why, I mean why say that did you say they think they can use the easement you didn't say that. What, I mean, my my, my testimony remains the same. It's exactly what I said, and I told her that one we are married. Two, I knew this was a matter of some concern. My testimony has not changed from what I said. Please do not change it in your accounts. I'm asking you a question, Mr. Cooper, and I answered it. No, you didn't, Ms. Cole. If you have it, can you just restate your question? Because I've kind of a lot. I, I think the question has been answered, but if you could restate it, I will. That's what I'm trying to do. My question is: Did you tell her that they thought that they that Legacy Group thought they had a right to use the easement across her property? I did not. I told her exactly what I said previously. 
that I had told him that he needed to do his due diligence because of the recording. And she didn't ask, or, or did she ask why? I No. I'm the, I'm object. This is beyond the scope of what I called this witness. It wasn't to get away from the So, Mr. Cooper, did you tell the city that they needed to check as to whether there was um, a deed that vacated the easement across Ms. Gustina's property. Objection. You... This is not about what Mr. Cooper told the city. The, the, the testimony was about the conversation that Mr. Cooper had with counsel for the applicant. Am I not allowed to ask the question, hearing examiner? That would go beyond the scope. This is a this is her, this is rebuttal testimony at this point. Okay, so we'll just assume that he didn't tell the city. And I have no further questions. Then, if he didn't tell the city, I have no further questions. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Kroll. Uh, Mr. Tillagen, anything further? No. Thank you so much, Rob. Okay. Thank Thanks. you for your testimony this afternoon, Mr. Cooper. Thank you. All right. I think we'll turn back then to you, Ms. Hallian. Um, and I swore you in earlier, so you remain under oath. Sorry, I just have to collect my thoughts. Yeah, one to... of the... <laughs> yeah. yeah, take your time. Uh, um, did you ever pull uh, Miss Justine's deed from Justina's deed to her property? Not that I recall. Uh-huh. Uh, do you remember, so did you make any attempt to, or did your company make any attempt to contact uh, Miss Justina other than through what we've heard by Mr. Wilson? No, we believe we were contacting the correct party. Uh-huh. Okay. So you never sent like a letter to her PO box or looked up her uh who was the property record, uh, the, the property, uh, the, the tax bill for the property or anything like that? I did, yes. However, there was no indication. Typically, properties owned by an estate, and I'm speaking in my layman terms, are owned by a deceased party. And so it made sense when uh, Terrence Wilson reached out and said that it was an estate attorney, that there was... There wasn't a, a specific person to be discussing this matter with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Mr. Let's see here. Sorry. Uh, Mr. Gribben. I think during your testimony, uh, he had talked about that correction letter that you got from the city where they asked you for a copy of the access easement. Right. Um, and then uh, also asked you to coordinate or said, please coordinate. And then you, I, I, you, you had testified that you had reached out to Ms. Rubart and got clarification on Correct. that. Was that clarification in writing? Yes, and I, I provided you that email today. Yeah, that was really tricky. I, my apologies so for the delay. I... I thought that you had received all of these emails 
from the city record. Okay. Uh, so this is one I did not receive from the city. Uh, I just received it for the first time over the lunch break from, from your attorney, Mr. Gribben. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't know there's much in here. Um, this is an email from you to Ms. Rubart on July 20th, 2022, uh, where it looks like uh, Thomas Morris, uh, who works with your company, was asking Ms. Rubart for clarification on what that meant. Um, I don't know if I have any questions about this because I haven't really had time to digest it, uh, but I would like it to, is this the email that, that you were thinking of? I, for some... I'm not quite sure uh, at this point. I, I'm not seeing anything that I asked a question. So if you want to scroll to where I had some response in the email, then I can answer you more clearly. Yeah, let's see here. Um, why? I, maybe it wasn't a question. When I say you, I mean legacy and some reason. <laughs> You're, there you are. You weren't on my screen. It's sort of hard okay. talking to you. Um, uh, here you have, you say, hi, Martha, what exactly are you looking for here? And then you, like you quote, uh, part of her comment letter, submit a responsive letter. And then we scroll up and then it looks like, uh, Mr. Maurice jumps into the same thread and says, adding a second question, item two is asking for us to quote, show that the subject property has legal access to utilize the easement. And then he sort of adds his commentary about what that might mean. Um, and then up at the top, we have Ms. Rubart's response. Hi, Mora and Moira and Thomas. And it looks like he answers your first, your question in the top paragraph. And then, oh, didn't mean to do that. Uh, and then in the second paragraph, she says, for Thomas's question, it's likely that the easement document itself will show that the subject property has the right to use the easement. We're just looking for confirmation that the easement can be used for this project since use of that easement is necessary for there to be enough access width to be in compliance with the code. Do you see that? I do. Is that the email? Is that the written clarification that you were thinking of in your mind? That she confirmed all she needed was the easement. Yes. Okay. Um, I would ask that this document be admitted to the record and I can circulate that to the uh, examiner after this. Is that okay with everybody? No objection. Ms. Kroll, no objection? Objection. I, I'm sorry? Okay, sorry. No objection. Oh, okay. Thank no you. Objection. All right. Um, that email, and what's the date on that email? It's admitted. Uh, it's dated July 20th, 2022. 2022. It's and an email. Yes. And that's, uh, um, that's an email between the city and Ms. Hallian, just to... Yes, and I assume this is one of the 300 emails that are still outstanding on the six part. I got it from Mr. Gribben. So yes, that document is admitted. Okay. Let's see. Losing my train of thought here. <laughs> uh, so you never spoke to Mr. Hatch. I got this admitted. What else? Um... I think that's it. Thank you, Miss Hoyan. It's Hoyan, right? It's Hoyan. Thank Hoyan. you. Thank you so much. It's okay. Okay, I think I've said it three different ways now. It's so. okay. It's like H O Y N Hoyan. 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 Okay. All right. Got it. All right. Um, so then we'll turn back. I think Mr. Gribben. Did uh, I, I couldn't remember? Did the city have any questions? Or they asked a couple, 
I know we went out of order. I just want to make sure the city had an opportunity. We, we went out of order after, in yeah. the middle of mine. Yeah. So I think okay. it's the city's. The city, yes, has, yes, the city has no further questions for Ms. Hoyan. Okay. And then, so Mr. Gribben, yeah. I don't think I have any further questions for you. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you, Ms. Hoyan, and congratulations on your first, first time to touch you. Yeah. All right, um, Mr. Gribben, was Ms. Hoyan your last witness? She was my last witness. Okay. Uh, and Mr. Tillagen, do we have any further rebuttal or was that just Mr. Cooper? Just Mr. Cooper, and I'm sorry for that. He was just, he told me nope. he, had 50, he had 15 minutes and that was it. <laughs> um, nope, nope, that's fine. Um, so I think at this point, um, we've dealt with most of the exhibits. Um, um, I suppose we can move to closing arguments. Uh, yes, um, yes, Ms. Kroll. Oh, I was wondering if the city could recall uh, Ms. Rubart in rebuttal to um, clarify a point. Uh, I, I would want to know what point that is. The is city has rested so far. Last exhibit as to what she means in her statements in that last exhibit. As long as, yeah, I guess I have no objection as long as it's cabin to that. <clears throat> okay. No objection from the applicant. Okay. Uh, Ms. Rubart, you are being called as a re, be re recalled as a witness. Um, I swore you in yesterday, so you remain under oath. Okay. Okay. Can we pull up the last exhibit? Uh, Can one of you guys who had it up please pull it up? Sure. That would be speeding things up, so thank you. Okay, um, now, uh, Ms. Rubart, did you prepare this email? Yes. Okay, and do you see the second paragraph where it says for Thomas's question? Yes. Can you read that paragraph into the record? Yes, it says for Thomas's question, it's likely that the easement document itself will show that the subject property has the right to use the easement for access. We're just looking for confirmation that the easement can be used for this project since use of that easement is necessary for there to be enough access width to be in compliance with the code. First of all, is there, are the statements in that um, portion true? Yes. All right. And um, when, when you make the second statement, we're just looking for confirmation that the easement can be used for this project. What do you mean by that? That the easement grants those rights to the subject property, looking that the subject property is the property that receives those rights. So you, you want to see the easement, correct? Yes. And you want to see that it benefits the subject property, is that correct? Correct. Are you looking for any other information from no. them? No. Do you, are you asking them to go check with the owner of the property and see if she still thinks the easement is in effect. No. Thank you. I have no further questions. Okay. Were there any questions, Mr. Gribben? Did you? Um... No, no, no follow-up for me. Okay, and Mr. Telligen. No. Okay, all right. Thank you for your testimony, Ms. Rubart. Okay, I believe that was all of the witness testimony. Is that correct? Okay. Um, so I think at this point, there's a question. Do the parties want to do closing arguments? I would prefer to have a very short written closing. 
I mean, I'm prepared to give closing um, arguments today. I mean, again, I think these issues were briefed in, in pretty good detail for the examiner already. Um, I, I guess if the examiner is inclined to have written closings, I would ask for a you know pretty narrow, pretty narrow page limit and have them do you know no later than um, end of next week. Paul, do you have a position on that? Yes, I agree that um, I'm prepared to do closing. I'm prepared to give a full recommendation to the hearing examiner based upon what we've heard in the two-day hearing now that we have a little more information. Um, the city's prepared to make a full recommendation to the hearing examiner. Now we believe the hearing examiner should proceed, which is, which is what the city's requested to do in these circumstances. Hearing examiner can, of course, um, act as the hearing examiner uh, believes is appropriate, but they do like to have a referral from the city and we are prepared to do that. We can also do it in writing. Um, again, I wouldn't want it to be more than a week and I wouldn't want it to be more than five pages. Okay. Well, um, written closing from the parties might may be helpful. Uh, certainly, I wouldn't want to rehash everything because we did have pretty, you know, pretty thorough briefing at the outset. Um, but of course it wasn't with, you know, the, the benefit of what we've heard um, in the last two days. So I think, and I, I do think it should be short, so nothing too long. Um, so page limits would be appropriate, I think. Um, and yes, Mr. Telligen. Oh, I just think five pages is, I, I agree with shortness. I don't know about okay. other lawyers. I think it's pretty hard to do something in five pages, especially to cover multiple topics. Um, but I, I would not be opposed to like a 10 or 15 page page limit. I, I, I can get it done in five. I mean, I think these issues are pretty narrow. I think, you know, as lawyers, we can be concise, but certainly I would ask for no more than 10. But again, I, I leave it to the examiner's discretion on this in terms of what you think would be helpful for you to make a decision. Okay. Well, I may just split it and say 10, I guess. Um, uh, <laughs> Seven and a half. Uh, I, I agree. Five is hard, um, it, but it depends. And um, I, I think I think 10, 10 will work. Um, so we'll set it at 10. And then in terms of the time frame, um, I know um, initially my decision, I think it says it's supposed to be, I can't remember if it was 27th and then issued 28th. Um, so in, unless we kind of modify that. And today is the 15th. So I look to the parties on their thoughts on. Well, I mean, to me, and I know this may fall on uh, deaf ears or not deaf ears uh, to, a, to, a, to an applicant who always thinks people are trying to delay. But I think if we had the briefs in by next Friday and then you had, you had your decision in by the 30th, have a week to do that. I don't know how hard it is to do your job, Madam Examiner, um, but that wouldn't be too much of an extension beyond what you already said of the 28th, and that might be enough time. I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, surprise Mr. Telligen and agree to that uh, schedule. <laughs> the city has no objection either. Okay. All right. And Mr. Griffin, the call in agreement. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like there's an agreement. Mr. Griffin, though, if you, the code um, says, I, I think it's the applicant's supposed to put that in writing. So if you could do an email that has that in writing about the agreed extension. Because sure. I count, I, they count it the 90. In the parties. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Include everybody because uh, I think it counts like 90 days from when the appeals filed or something. So, um, and we're, I can't remember where, where that runs, but um, middle of the month, I believe. But yeah, if you can give it to the 30th, that might help. And as, as a practical matter, it actually might be out before then, uh, just because I've got a conflict towards the end of that week. But certainly I'm going to, I'll uh, take the 30th. So, and I think, oh, I just want to check with the parties. Under the code, so the examiner is a little weird have to, how they deal with different types of decisions, but the, on this particular type, it's my understanding the examiner uh, sends it out to the, to the parties. So I, what I was going to do is email it out as opposed to mail it. I don't think there's a requirement to mail it in the code. Um, so I was planning to just email it to um, all the legal representatives um, and then also the citizens use emails um, that I have. And did, was there any bounce backs from the city for any of those emails that I provided? Not that we're aware of. Okay, all right. Well, let, let me know if there are. I think I took it down correctly, but there can always be errors on that front. So is any input from the council on that uh, in terms of how I get the decision out? And if you take a closer look at the code and think I should do something different, uh, please, please alert me uh, as well as the parties. The city is um, agreeable to having the hearing examiner email to all council and all parties who've provided you with email addresses. So we have no objection to that. Okay. All right. Uh, yes, Mr. Salufo. Uh, just to, to clarify, uh, the code does not require it be mailed, um, but does require that the city post it on the city's website. That that's, the that's, thank you for that addition. That is correct. So I'll leave the posting to the city. I wouldn't know how to do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So just to recap, it looks like briefs, 10 pages uh, due, due, I think, Friday next week. Uh, my decision by the 30th may be early, but I'm going to keep that option open for me. Madam Hearing Examiner, um, yes. just wanted to alert you, uh, Mr. Hurley in attendance has raised his hand if you want to permit him to. Yes, if you could promote him so he can speak, that would be appreciated. Blanca, would you mind promoting Mr. Hurley, please? Yes, absolutely. Sorry, that was an accident. I'm multitasking. I must have hit a button by mistake. That, that's fine, Mr. Hurley. All right. Um, any other questions? And that does include anyone who's who's watching as well, if they're procedural questions. Okay. All right. I think is there anything else that I need to address before we adjourn? Nothing further from the applicant. Okay, well, thank you all uh, for your patience over the last two days. Um, look forward to reading your briefs. And um, like I said, the decision will be emailed out um, by the, I think it's the 30th, the deadline that we settled on, so. Well, examiner, thank you for your patience too. Oh, yes. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you're you. welcome. Thank you. Thank all you right. very much. Bye yeah. everyone. We, we are adjourned now, thank you all. I forgot to let you see.